you realize that you've chosen Escape Plan 2 for our 50th episode. Happy anniversary, <laughs> Arms Race Podcast. Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we try and determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keenan. and today we're discussing Escape Plan 2, Hades, released by Summit Entertainment on June 29th, 2018, starring Sylvester Stallone and Dave Bautista. That's how he's credited. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's great. Starring Sylvester Stallone and Dave Bautista, Huang Xiaoming, Jamie King, Jesse Metcalf, Wes Chatham, and Chen Tang with Titus Welliver and Curtis Jackson. Written by Miles Chapman, directed by Stephen C. Miller. I'm sorry. You're sorry about the movie? <laughs> yes. I'll tell you this because uh, we mentioned briefly before the show that I had texted you angrily. <coughs> Quite. And that was me at my lowest. I think I've calmed down at this point. I'm not angry at this movie the same way that I was, say, at uh, Ratchet and Clank. At this point, I've kind of settled into just having contempt for this movie. Because I think the movie has contempt for us. <laughs> That's true. And this was, uh, for me, uh, now, in my defense, I knew nothing about this movie, and it was also on the list, right? It okay. was. Th- well, this isn't something I suggested or something. This isn't a bonus episode. It was on the list it was on the still list. making action movies. Okay, well, uh, do you have a point? I, I want to defend why, why this is on the list before we Th- My only going. point was, this was a major bummer for me, and I think I said it uh, on our last episode when I was picking it, Escape Plan, the first one, was a major pleasant surprise for me. I really enjoyed this mo- that movie, yeah. and I knew that being direct to video was not a good sign, but I was still hopeful that there would be something salvageable here. Oh, I mean, I agree. I really liked the first one, too, and this one's a huge disappointment. But the direct-to-video thing, in my defense, when we started uh, the Arms Race podcast and we put together that list, I, I put it together, and then we just sort of approved it. You know, yeah. We kind of went over it together. I put it on the list because at the time it wasn't clear that this was going to be a direct video movie. Oh. It was like, this is coming soon. Cause you know, this came out June 29th, 2018. We started doing arms race late 2017. Yep. So at the time it seemed like it was going to be a theatrical release and why wouldn't it be? Because escape plan, although it didn't do well, well, it did well in China, which is why we end up with this. And we'll have to talk about that. You know, this is mostly a Chinese production with, Largely American actors and, and director and writer, um, you know, with a couple, obviously a couple of Chinese actors, but it was a Chinese production because this movie did so much better in China than it did in the U.S., but it did, like, not terrible in the U.S., I don't think. Right. No. So it's like, why wouldn't this be a theatrical release? I don't know. So the, based on this, I'm assuming then Escape Plan 3 is off the table? I, I can't, apparently it's done. It's Yeah, they, they, I know they already... I don't know if it's done, but they were filming it before Escape Plan 2 came out. So I guess it would be done because, yeah, now Stallone's filming the new Rambo. So right. it must be done. Although uh, with as little as little of a shooting schedule, I think this was filmed in 20 days. Oh, I totally believe that. And with as little as Stallone is in this, I don't think they would need him for very much. So he could still be filming Rambo, the new Rambo, while working on this. That's true. They could have filmed this in a weekend. You could have told me that and I would have believed it. <laughs> it's It's as if someone was just like... Hey, this movie did really well in China, and this company in China wants to finance Escape Sequel. Plan 2. Yeah. They're going to give us 
you know, whatever it is, 20, I don't know if you have the budget. We'll get there in a second, I guess. Um, but let's say, well, what is the budget? Just so I can give it, it. Again, if IMDb is correct, I can't believe that this was $45 million. I was going to say 30 and I was, my point was going to be that that's preposterously high. But okay, $45 million, you know, and so I'm sure it's just like the filmmakers are just like, they want to give us $45 million to make a skate plan okay. too. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, hey, I know a guy with an octagonal room. <laughs> <laughs> let's make the movie there. And that'll be our prison, and we'll just keep all this money. We'll all draw outrageous salaries, and we'll spend no money on the on the movie. And let's just hey, you know, this is free money. Let's just do it. Do you think that the octagonal room is just like Dave Bautista's basement? (laughs) I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's some kind of leftover set from a Marvel movie or something, where it's just like some other movie's done with this. Let's say that's our prison. Oh, man. All right. Well, you know, I'm not sure how much more we need in the intro. It was direct-to-video. It was not good. I I thought, and also, in my defense, I thought the connections were there, right? I mean, we're coming off of Guardian of the Galaxies 2. We're doing a sequel. Yeah. It's Stallone. It's Batista. We've got all these connections. It should work. Oh, man. But, I mean, I really do think that nobody involved in the making of this movie cared about the quality of the movie. That's why I'm not necessarily as angry at it as I was about Ratchet and Clank, because that just seemed like trying to build a property or using existing intellectual property to try and build and milk something. Yeah. But, you know, the metaphor I was thinking about uh, this morning, and I don't know if this is going to make sense. It doesn't, it barely makes sense to me, this metaphor. Uh Uh-oh. But I feel like making a movie is like the egg race where you put the egg in the spoon and you've got to move it. And it's like the egg is this precious idea for a movie. And it's like the entire process of making a movie is just trying to get the the egg on the spoon and then handing it off to the next person. It's like the writer hands it off to the director and then the director hands it off to all the production heads and the art director and the cinematographer. Then they hire actors and they have to hand it off to the actors and everyone's carrying along this precious egg of whatever the initial idea was. And... The difference, you know, and sometimes the egg drops and breaks and it's a bad movie and it's just, it happens, but generally I I tend to want to give the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt. They tried to get that egg across the finish line, they just dropped it, you know? Most of the time when there's a bad movie, that's that's what happens. I already see where you're going with it on this one. (laughs) Okay, where do you think I'm going? Did they even use spoons or they were just (laughs) chucking the egg? (laughs) This movie is chucking the egg. (laughs) But I think the difference between Escape Plan 2 where it's just like, hey, I mean, maybe this will work. Let's just throw it. If we're able to catch it every single time, we'll make this movie for super cheap, and it'll you know we'll get the egg across the finish line a, a ten times faster than the other team that's using their stupid spoons, <laughs> you know. But hey, it's a risk we'll take, and there's a very very high chance this egg will drop. Yeah, they were just not they didn't care. They're being careless, literally, with this movie. Whereas I think a movie like Ratchet and Clank. You know, they took the egg into a board meeting and said, we need to do testing. We need to have audience testing <laughs> of how can we get this egg across the finish line. And they determined, you know what? We should hard boil this egg. That way, if we drop it, it won't break. But it's like at that point, it's not even a move anymore. You've fundamentally changed the idea into something different. You've, you've hard boiled the idea to the point where there's nothing left of any value. That's so a good analogy. That seems so much more cynical. Like Ratchet and Clank seems so much more cynical than this, where it's like, yes, they didn't really try to make a good movie. But, you know, sometimes that still works out. What if what if they had made, managed to get the egg across and it would have been like they all would have gotten rich <laughs> from all this money that, that China wanted to give them? And, 
the odds of making a good movie that way are terrible if nobody's trying, but you never know. So what you're saying is Ratchet and Clank, just to finish the egg analogy, is sort of like uh, the addition of Poochie where, Krusty, you gotta fix this thing! I'm getting egged on the streets here! Yeah, oh, <laughs> I, I can't believe, did we even say the word Poochie on that episode when we talked about we Ratchet We had to have. If I, not, I'm disappointed in myself. Yeah, I'm just now, when rough, you said rough, it, I like, I'm Poochie the rocking dog! <laughs> what if we rostify him by 20%? <laughs> I've got to say that we at least said, uh, you mean Cerberus? At some point during that episode. We probably we did do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, good. It's good. <laughs> that's the, for some reason, that's the line we always quote from that episode, which is the most obscure, like, weird thing. It's obscure, but you know it's perfect. I know. You, well, that's just, you, you, you and that. I have developed a, a, a shorthand <laughs> yeah, over the years, yeah. and sometimes we do it on the podcast, even though people don't know what we're talking yeah. about. When you when don't, go, yeah, yeah, it's good. You don't really have an opinion, and you just want to move on to the next step. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> But no, I think that's, I don't think that's what's happening here. No. I, I don't think I, people are, you know, just going, is Poochie okay with everybody? I think they're, they're, they're just was, not d- being careful. Yeah, they're, not, they're not, money was there and it's, eh, it's not, like, this isn't some franchise that needed really to be protected, right? There wasn't a lot of perceived value in the franchise anyway. I guess not. I mean, uh, I remember the producer watching the behind the scenes, I think on the DVD that I had for Escape Plan, yeah. was talking about this, you know, Ray Breslin being, you know, this franchise. I'm like, what? He breaks out of prison. So I shouldn't say nobody valued the franchise. At least the, the producer of the original Escape Plan did. Do you know if that was Miles Chapman? Because he co-wrote the first one, and he's the sole credited writer on this one. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I remember I was talking about that guy, but it's like, I wonder if that's the thing of... My sense is Miles Chapman was the guy who came up with the idea, and then some real screenwriter came along and kind of made it better, and then they made Escape Plan 1, which is, you know, it's not like an amazing movie, but it's it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's solid. And uh, now Miles Chapman is here. I think he's the one being like, like trying to turn this into Star Wars or something. So, or uh, maybe not. I mean, it's hard to say what happened behind the scenes in this movie. Well, I think that's a pretty good intro. Are we ready to uh, delve into this? Uh, no, but let's do it anyway. Duty calls. What day is it? What year? Uh, it is. This is probably the most recent that we've ever had. Uh, June twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. Yeah. We we're recording this in December of twenty eighteen. For sure, the most recent. Six months ago, and I guess spoiler warning. Just yeah. As what, a, look, it's on Amazon <laughs> Prime, so that tells you something when it's immediately there for free if you really want it. Yeah, I know. So at least according to IMDb, I find it difficult to believe that they spent forty five million dollars on this, but that was the estimated budget that I found there, and that's been my source for this uh for this segment so okay. we're gonna go with that i believe it so, I, I well wait till we get to our silk cozart section because i think there's a lot going on in the chinese film industry that needs some scrutiny <laughs> okay i was a um, box office mojo was just under seventeen million six hundred thousand. almost all of that was in china there were a few other markets that was in did not do obviously did not do very well in any of them, uh, but China was by far and away the best performer. I glanced at it because I'm going to be talking about it later, and I saw the, the funny thing to me was because in the US it didn't even get a theatrical release, but nope. in the UK it must have been released in one theater and it got like eighty five hundred uh, eighty five thousand. Oh no, eighty five hundred. It was yeah, eighty five hundred yeah. bucks. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I mean, how many seats? I, that that had to be one weekend. Yeah, if you figure most. one theater for one week, how could it not get more than that anyway? <laughs> Uh, so even though it did not get a theatrical re- release here in the U.S., I still, for continuity, I guess, uh, pulled up what was in theaters, your alternatives, when this uh, was released direct-to-video. Sure. 
Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was the number one movie in America. I need to see that from because you saw that right. You were the one who were telling me. Who was oh, the me trailer. About? The trailer just looked like it could be fun. Bad. Oh, did you not see it? No, I haven't seen the movie. Someone yet, no. was telling me about the movie, and it sounded like the last half of that movie sounds oh, no. amazingly bad. No, I I showed you on the trailer that I said somehow this the the final trailer that dropped on that. Right before the movie came out, showed where you know whatever that dinosaur is like creeping around and ripping. It, it was like a horror movie or something. Maybe that was. What, yeah, what and so I, I became interested only because of that because the la- the last half of that movie probably is amazingly bad. I think probably I'm con- I think I did talk to someone who saw it, and but then also yeah, you had, I remember you mentioned that. So okay. I'm sure both together. Painted a real vivid picture of where that movie goes. Anyway. Well, it was still doing very well. Uh, it was uh, doing just over $60 million, and I think that was its second week. That was $265 million in total gross at that point. I didn't actually look to see how much uh, it did beyond that. Uh, Incredibles 2, which I, I have seen uh, and is a, is a good Pixar sequel, was uh, number two at the box office in its third week at $46 million, and then it's a pretty big drop-off for the only new entrance. There's two of them. One of them I don't know. Uh, the sequel to Sicario was released that week, just over $19 million. And then Uncle Drew, which is a movie I do not know. Oh, that's the basketball, the old guy basketball movie. Yes, yes. Who, who plays, does LeBron James play Uncle Drew? Some basketball I think player. So. I think it is LeBron James. I think you're right. Plays Uncle Drew. Yeah. Just over $15 million. Rounding out the top 10, Ocean's 8. Tag Deadpool 2. Sanju, which I'm going to guess is a Indian movie. Solo, uh, Star Wars Story at number nine. And number 10, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which actually I really do want to see. I have not seen that, but it seems pretty uh, intriguing. Yeah, I had planned to see it, but uh, I never ended up getting around to it. Yeah. So I changed it up a little bit here, too, because I don't think that the Nielsen ratings are out, and it would pretty much just be Monday Night Football and whatever anyway. Not in June. No, but what I'm, I do for, oh, the, you're for the year. for the year, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I decided is I looked up what was new that you could have watched on Netflix and Amazon in June of 2018. I thought that would be appropriate. No? I agree. I think that's maybe more appropriate in any year after like 2013 or 14. Maybe that's the thing to do instead of talking about Nielsen ratings where it's just going to be old people watching (laughs) CBS. That's all it's going to be. So on Netflix, we had uh, season two of the show Glow, which I think I've recommended to you. I uh, really like that. The uh, women's wrestling in the 1980s. I watched the first season and I didn't like it. All right. Well, I can't win them all with Keen. (laughs) Uh, Why is it? I like. I got my fault. It's not, like, you're right. That's not fair. It's I not can't win them all with you. It's like no, I don't know. Right. I didn't like the show. Okay, not all of my recommendations. We we agree on a lot of things. We don't agree on that it's one. Not that's not my fault. That's not a judgment on you. Uh, no, that's that's fair. <laughs> that came off wrong. Uh, I'm not actually angry. It's just I find it funny how you judge me for my tastes and things. Uh, Luke Cage season two, which I've seen neither of those. Uh, another one of the Marvel um, franchises. In the movie front, you could get The Last Jedi, which I know you are a big fan of The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of a division in the Star Wars fandom universe on that one. Uh, hopefully those people are going away. Okay. Just stop being, you know what, if you don't like what Star Wars is anymore, just stop being a Star Wars fan. It's not that big a deal. That is, there are plenty of franchises fair. that I used to like that I don't like anymore because it stopped being a thing that's for me. I used to love the Transformers. Now I don't like the Transformers. I'm, I'm not going to like... I'm excited about Bumblebee. I actually want to see if you wanted to go see that. Yeah, I, I would be willing to go see that. But, okay. you know, you understand my point. Yeah. Like, don't complain. Things change. People yeah. still on Twitter for like a, a year later, just like, eh, Last Jedi. It's like, you know what? Just move on with your life. 
You didn't like the movie. I'm sorry to hear that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with disliking a movie, like I was saying about uh, Glow. It's like, you know what? I didn't, dis- I didn't like it. That's fine. I, I have no problem with people disliking the movie. It's the constant complaining about it. It's just like, you know what? Go away. <laughs> You didn't like it. Okay. You know, if, if, imagine if I spent the next 10 months telling you how much I hated Glow to the point where you were oh. just sick to death of me. That's what these people are. It's like you're allowed to have your opinion. You're not allowed to just annoy everybody else about and it. Dwell on. Just I mean, shut up about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sick of them. By now, it's 11 months later. By the time this gets posted, it'll be 13 months later. It's <laughs> enough. I guarantee those people will still be doing it. Fair enough. In January, when this posts... There will still be people on Twitter going, Last Jedi is terrible. But move on with your life. Well, the thing that doesn't make sense is that, you know, like a, I think a good example of a franchise that I enjoy, and there's ones that I don't enjoy, Bond franchise, right? We actually talked that sure. um, Spectre was a huge disappointment. But okay, I didn't like it. I probably won't watch it again, but that's okay. Yeah, 100%. Because the next one comes out, might be really good. I, I liked it a little more than you, but it was yeah. definitely a disappointment. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. It's exactly. I, I wouldn't even say it. Like, I, exactly right what, whatever it's like i don't like it that's fine sometimes there are bad movies or you know not even bad just like you know yeah, that i just didn't care for yeah. that and it doesn't like ruin that oh i you know the whole i'm just not interested and it's you know the casino royale now is you know not interesting to me no i still really like that movie so yeah. what well but this is my my last word on the last jedi i think the thing that i respect about it is its willingness to be divisive that it's, it's not just risk. a bland yeah. Marvel movie. It's taking, yeah, it's taking risks. And I, it's the most exciting Star Wars movie to me since the originals. All right. Well, the last uh, new entrant that I thought was worth noting on Netflix took a little bit of a risk. Thor Ragnarok, which I wish I had saw that in theaters because as funny as it was, I'm sure with other people in the audience, it would have been even more fun for yeah. me. I really, really enjoy that movie. Yeah. Uh, on Amazon Prime, not a ton, but I want to highlight... Uh, two of them. The one TV show and an Amazon original, Goliath, season two. That's with Billy Bob Thornton. The first season was okay. I didn't bother with season two. And mainly just to highlight because of our podcast, The Running Man became available, you know, because that moves in and out. But The Running Man became available in June of 2018. I would much rather have watched The Running Man than Escape Plan 2. Of course. (laughs) Not even a question. It's not even a question. Uh, On the history front, I decided... This was difficult, too. I'm like, eh, this is six months ago. (laughs) History. Exactly. (laughs) So here's what I did. Tales of long ago. I went and found history on June 28th. So I just found whatever happened on June 28th in various years. Oh, of any year. Okay, got it. So Franz Ferdinand and uh, his wife Sophia are assassinated in Sarajevo in 1914, and Things don't go well for the world thereafter. I'd say it's a pretty important date in history. It is. And then I'm sure it's not uh, unintentional. The Treaty of Versailles is signed, establishing the League of Nations and ending World War One. Same date, 1919. Oh, you think they planned that to be the anniversary of Franz Ferdinand's assassination? I would, I would guess so. I didn't know that. I mean, I, it, I didn't know the that thing it was is, on the same I day. looked up the history. You think I would have read a little bit more to see <laughs> if it was intentional? I would guess so, though. Hmm. Uh, also on the European and nineteen uh, European front uh, in 1926, Mercedes Benz is formed with the merger between Daimler and Benz. I did not write down their first names. I should have, but effectively, two you know auto. Manufacturers, but you know, mostly I think sole proprietors back in those days, sort of like Henry Ford. Yeah. 1964, Malcolm X formed the Organization of Afro-American Unity, and then in 1969, uh, you know, kind of the progressive movement, the Stonewall riots began in New York City, which was the beginning of the gay rights movement, which I vaguely remember reading about, but I don't know anything about. Came that. to the forefront. It was a movie that I think I 
somewhere I had read read about that. Okay. Uh, so that came to the forefront. And then skipping really far ahead, 1997, there's a boxing match. An ear is bitten off. It's Holyfield Tyson <laughs> 2. I thought that was a little bit appropriate with our, you know, Rocky. Uh, I thought a boxing date definitely should be in here. <laughs> sure. So then I rounded it out. I found uh, famous people born on June 28th. Okay. Uh, going really far back, Henry VIII was born <laughs> okay. on June 28th. Moving really far ahead, I got Mel Brooks. Oh. Uh, also in the world of entertainment, Kathy Bates. Homer Simpson would like to be this man. John Elway was born on June 28th. <laughs> uh, and I think the, that that's your connection to John Elway. <laughs> I want to be The John man Elway. that Homer Simpson wanted to be. That's why he's famous. Of course. <laughs> Uh, and then the man whose company can land a rocket uh, on the ocean on a platform on the ocean, Elon Musk was joined, born on June 28th. So mm. that's what happened in history. The best I could do with um, our kind of template, I think I, I think I did uh, an admirable. Well, maybe not admirable. I did an adequate job of making this piece fit. I mean, yes, it was interesting to hear that. All I can say is I'm just glad you didn't tell the real history of June 29th, 2018, because I didn't want to hear it. I was. I thought about that. Like, oh boy, we have to hear about what was happening. <laughs> so I'm glad. In 2018. A, so I, I softened the blow a little bit of doing this. Yeah, I picking much, this, this. I much preferred that. All right, fantastic. All right, you ready All right, to move on? Let's move on to the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. So this is the segment where we discuss the overall plot of the movie uh, for Escape Plan Two, such that it is. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't even bother. <laughs> So I, I want to try to understand what is happening in this movie because I don't. But I think the two of us, if we put our heads together, we can figure out what is happening so in this is, movie. So wait a minute, though. Is this going to burn through all of our questions and little details trying to come up with what the plot is? I mean, I'm sure not all of them, but right. certainly some of them. Okay. Uh, well, Ray Breslin, he's got, a, he's got a security company. Yes. Okay. So that's, that's the overall driving force in the plot right ray ray breslin has this crack team of analysts i don't know what they are well, operatives first of all he's moved his office to atlanta for un- unknown reasons um tax and, credit reasons yeah well the movie wanted to film in atlanta yeah but uh now his his company rather than just being a company that specializes in in finding weaknesses of prisons they now do search and rescue in chechnya they're, this is a thing that they've become now they're apparently mercenaries yes it's, uh, it's Blackwater, right? I mean, I guess, but it's it's private for hire, like search and rescue or whatever it is. And hacking. They do it all. Well, you don't see the hacking until later. That that opening sequence where they're rescuing two prisoners for, from, from some Chechenian separatists or whatever they're supposed to be. Um, there's no hacking there. It's no. just There's talk of algorithms, but there's no hacking. There's plenty of talk about algorithms. Oh, please. I can't wait to talk about that. Well, let's talk about it because I feel like that's one of the things I don't understand. Or would you rather save it? Because, uh, you know, Ray Breslin's team, he's basically farming all this stuff out to his team now. He doesn't want to go out in the field himself. Certainly <laughs> well, doesn't want to go to Chechnya. Because that would be more filming days for Stallone. I will say he was in this movie more than I was expecting. Because, yeah, we, really? t- we had said... In our last episode, when you had said you'd pick this, and we both said, like, yeah, my under- our understanding was that he's not in this movie a lot, which he isn't. He's not the main character of the movie, but he's in it more than I was expecting. It's certainly more than Arnold was in Killing Gunther. That, that was just yeah. blatant false advertising on Killing Gunther. I literally thought he was just going to be 
you know, he was going to be the Zeus of the movie of just like, we got to find Chu. And, you know, oh, man, I we haven't had a Zeus in a while. That's, bu- that's a bummer. I think we have one in this, but it's not Ooh. Ray. Bre- I thought Ray Breslin was going to be the Zeus, but then he ends up in the prison. We'll get, let's let's okay. get there. But All like, right. well, hold I, on. that was way more than I was expecting. I thought he would just like have three scenes, one at the beginning, one at the middle going like, we got to find Chu. And then at the end being like, I'm glad you're back, Chu. <laughs> I honestly thought that was all it was going to be. Like an A-team, like high five at the end. No, sh- yeah, seriously. I, I, so the fact that Stallone is more involved in the plot than that, okay, I, I was fair. pleasantly surprised. I mean, he's not, in it, he's not the main character, but he's in it a lot. I'm gonna a stop, lot he's in it enough. I'm going to steal one of my little details I have here. Kimbrel has Kimbrel, who is one of the operatives on uh, Lucky Ray's team. Yes, Kimbrel, not Ki- Kimball, Kimbrel. No, Kimbrel. Yeah, I yeah. thought I said that. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, he, he has an algorithm that apparently can be used to free hostages in a bombed-out, desolate building. I just said, I'm not sure that's how math works. No, I think his... I think we're supposed to believe that his algorithm told him that he would have enough time to go and blow up their build, their, their warehouse. That's what they're trying to pass off. I thought that's what, this is why I don't understand anything that's happening in this movie because yeah, there's this operation. They've gone undercover. Um, Kimbrel's gone undercover. I don't think that's how that math works either. It doesn't make a bit of sense. That's why I want to talk about it because I feel like, I mean, I really was like, am I not understanding what's happening? Am I going crazy? You know, this movie really did make me question my own intelligence, my own sanity. Just like, am I dumb or is this movie dumb? And normally you can tell. I mean, the number of times we called movies dumb and stupid, we got called, we got taken to task for that uh, on Twitter true. recently. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to watch that of just like, just saying, ah, the movie's stupid. But because I'm trying to watch that, now I'm questioning my own intelligence and just like, I don't understand what's happening in this movie. I don't think it's me, but maybe it's me. But anyway, uh, yeah, Kimbrel's undercover with this Chechnyan group. The rest of them have been taken hostage in t- intentionally so that they can infiltrate, they blow up a camera. And they use that as a distraction to escape yeah. and rescue these two uh, girls who are being held prisoner. Yeah. That they're hired to rescue these two girls. Yep. They're about to escape. They're going, where's Kimbrough? He's late. And then he runs. While he's running, there's an explosion happening in the background, one of the worst pieces of CGI I've ever seen. And they're like, you're 40 seconds late, Kimbrough. And he's like, oh, my algorithm said. Uh, he implies, I forget exactly what he says, but he implies like, oh, but- I went and I blew up the building because of my algorithm. As, implying that it's like, oh, I, I knew I had enough time because of my algorithm. See, I thought somehow that the algorithm, again, this is a joke, but was... The movie is a joke? Or what you're about to say is a joke? No, that, <laughs> that the algorithm was involved in the explosion. I'm like, I don't understand how any of this works. Well, I don't think he literally used an algorithm to blow up the building. I think my interpretation okay, of what he said... your interpretation is, is better than mine. Is that he has some kind of an algorithm that tells him that... He can blow up the building and still rescue the hostages that he's not going to be putting any, anybody at risk by taking his little detour and blowing up the Chechenian base. So, wait a minute. So, but he, his orders were just to get in the car and drive away, and he was 40 seconds late because he was off blowing up the building. And he, he, <laughs> but he defends himself saying, but my algorithm, I was only, he says he's only a point zero zero whatever percent, and okay. then he gets cut off. So Because one of the girls gets killed, yes. just, to, just to be clear. It, and they blame uh, Kimbrel. They say, ah, oh, you shouldn't have been late. 40 seconds. It's like, <laughs> chaos. What kind of an, it's an operation? Things are going to go wrong. Like he gets fired. He's forty seconds late. <laughs> but imagine what, if you were fired no, but hold on. at work wait, being wait, forty wait. seconds late. I think your interpretation is probably more accurate than mine. But so it somehow is something that I guess plot out 
a, a plan to blow up a building. So how is that same algorithm then applied to running this prison and being uh, – oh, what's the name of the, the AI? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. It was like, – Galileo. Yes. So somehow he takes that same algorithm – that told him you can blow up a building and still make it, you know, on whatever your route is. Basically, mapping software. Mapping software turns into Galileo. I think we're supposed to believe that Kimbrell's algorithm essentially can predict the future, regardless of the circumstance. <laughs> that it's, a, it's essentially a theory of everything, and it's like a formula that will predict people's behaviors and, like, timetables. And I, I, honestly, I think that's what this movie is trying to tell us. Because it's so vague about the algorithm. It can do anything. It can, it can help him blow up buildings for reasons that are not explained. That's not it can help him run up works. prison. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. If there was an algorithm that could do that, the world, I mean, people would use it to, you know, for stock tips and things. I mean, that's really what it would be used for. It wouldn't be used to run a prison. This guy would be the richest man in the world if he actually had an algorithm that could, like, predict the future. Thinking about it getting, you know, when we get further along about the satellite technology, the technology in this movie is just preposterous. Yeah. The buzz, it's just preposterous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's written by somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, very clearly. And the screenwriter just like algorithm like that's just that that's enough that explains it. Oh, it was an algorithm. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Me, but buzzwords like proactive and paradigm. <laughs> this is just going to be quoting it's every. Going to just be Poochie. Sorry. How, how, how? What percentage of the Poochie episode will we have quoted by the end of this episode? <laughs> I'll get the fireworks factory. In there. <laughs> Don't worry about we're it. We're already at like ten percent of Poochie episode quoted. Um, all right. So you, you got there. Kimbrel gets fired for being forty seconds late. Yeah, before, putting the mission in jeopardy. Before we move on to Kim, from Kimbrel, there was a. Google review of this movie. I was doing some research, and I just happened to see this Google review, okay. and it really made me laugh. So I just want to make... This is a negative Google review from someone named Emery Gao, and it just says, Something that really bugged me was the fact that Kimbrel always had a dope fade. I mean, who cut your hair in a war zone in a high-tech prison? <laughs> <laughs> that really made me laugh when I read it. So I, just, I thought, like, that's a very good observation. I did, Emery Gao, well done. Emery, I did not have that in my little details. That is a very good observation. I suppose I should have saved it for little details, but it wasn't my detail. I stole it from, from the internet. So. All right, so Kimberl gets fired, and that turns out to be a big mistake as we get uh, move further along in this movie. So it then winds up shifting gears, and uh, Shu gets called in from his cousin, kind of. Yeah, and she was part of Ray Breslin's team. He was on the original, you know, rescue. Yes. Um, we hadn't mentioned he, him prior He to seems to be Ray's, uh, Lucky Ray's number one, who, who he put in charge. No, but it, it seems like all of them are his, they all think that they're his. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, his probably. I don't think Luke does. Luke's just kind of along for the ride. Well, that's for sure. Well, I'll just say it now. I think Luke is unique of all the movies I've ever seen. He is, I think, the uh, Zeus of this movie, but a totally different type of Zeus where he's actually there physically. He's the, but it's <laughs> almost like he's not there. It's almost like he's not there. What does Luke do in this movie? Tell me one thing he does. Oh, man. I didn't... <laughs> he, he is commenting on the action. He's in the middle of the action commenting on it rather than being away distant and commenting on the action, which is usually what the Zeus so is doing. So the only thing I can think he... he uh, even though I don't think Galileo could actually do anything to DeRosa, played by Dave Batista, Luke does shoot the one oh, medbot right. at the end. But you're, other than that, you're right. I think he's just there, but not actually doing anything. <laughs> he's just tagging along 
And the one what thing he does do, you do here. <laughs> the one thing he does do was pointless and like <laughs> goes nowhere. Well, let's get to it. But can yeah, you, first can of you all, give me a little, don't you have Zeus spoken on here anymore? Oh, you're right. Or did I you do. take it about? Get, no, give I, that for Luke. I think that's, I have spoken. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> I forgot that was there. Thank you. I, it, it's the it's the like the the bizarro Zeus. It's that you're constantly yeah. there, but you're just not doing anything. He's like the anti-Zeus. Yes. Yeah. What's what was the because uh, Zeus Roman or, or Greek? No, Greek. So what what was the Roman name for Zeus? Oh, that could be what Luke is. That is what Luke. That's what I don't know. What we're gonna is. have to look it up off air. <laughs> okay. So okay. So we, we're talking about the team. Shu has um, been challenged by Lucky Ray to take some time off because they're not working as a cohesive team or moving as one or some yeah. garbage philosophy. Because they're using Go, the game Go, as yeah. some kind of metaphor in this movie, even though... Could you figure it out? Because I, again, maybe I'm I not mean, smart enough to... I've played Go in the past. It's I'm not good at it, and I haven't played it in 15 years or so. It's a very, very... Comp- it's like 20 times more complex than chess. It's okay. like really, really a hard game to learn. And I was very bad at it. But... You don't move pieces and go. You place stones down. Okay. But it's like this whole metaphor of like the pieces move as one. No, the pieces don't move at all. It's not like chess where you move pieces around. Once you place a stone on the board, it's there permanently. The pieces never move. They're only placed. <laughs> the so metaphor really doesn't. The metaphor makes no sense. I don't understand how. It, why wouldn't it be? Is the is uh, why wouldn't <clears throat> it be chess? Chess. There actually are pieces that move. Right. But I guess they don't but move. Chess. In they move one at a time. Yeah, so. that's true. I, I don't know. There's no game where you move pieces, multiple pieces in one turn. I guess. Or it would be like well, some kind be, of like, it'd be a sports analogy because there you do actually have pieces and players moving at the same time. But <laughs> if Ray, Ray Breslin's company had like a flag football team that <laughs> played against other security firms, and they used that as the metaphor. Oh, I would love to see that in football. You have to move as one. I mean, yeah, that would make more sense because that's actually true in football. The whole team has to know where everybody else is, and you can't go off and do your own thing. No, especially you got to hit your gap. You yeah. can't just freelance. Do whatever you want. Yeah. So Shu's cousin apparently is a entrepreneur that has some of the hottest and best tech in the world, and yes. his his life has been threatened. Yeah, satellite tech in particular. We learn later that his satellites can control or, and hack any system in the world. It's just so absurd. But And yet, there's also a character in this movie who can hack. Well, I mean, Hush, played by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, who's not credited as 50 Cent in this movie. I don't remember if he was in the last movie. I think he's, he's moved on from I 50 Cent. I think he Cent. has moved on from that. Um, but he can basically hack any system in the world already, and so can those bald guys that we meet later. So Le- We are yeah, Legion. Legion, a.k.a. Uh, Count Zero? Yes. Agent Zero! I thought when I watched it the first time that his name was Account Zero. <laughs> and I thought that made a little bit of sense. Or just like he hacks into people's accounts. I am Account Zero. I, I own all the accounts. No. But no, his name is Count Zero, like Dracula. <laughs> like or the, the, Count Chocula. <laughs> Count Chocula. Um, they named him Count Zero. Why, would you, why is a hacker named Count Zero? I'm sorry, we're just bouncing around. Isn't we that should, a we, reference? To, I think that's a reference to some other material. Is it? I, I think there's a book, and it, I don't know if it's about hacking or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure there's a Count Zero somewhere out there. All right, but regardless, my point is it seems like there are already people in this world who can just hack anything anyway, so the idea that like this technology is dangerous, it's going to get out to the wrong hands because a satellite can hack the world's nuclear codes or whatever. And, and just with that, how, how does a satellite do that? It doesn't. Again, the person who wrote this... beams stuff down. What? Well, 
in defense of the screenwriter, I already forgot his name. Oh, uh, Miles Chapman. Yes. I think 60% of this movie was written in the editing room. Because I don't know if you noticed, a lot of the exposition in this movie is ADR'd after the fact. No, I didn't notice On it. people, on the backs of people's heads. Like, when characters are talking, and it's like, Stallone will be talking, and it'll be a shot of Shu, and then they'll cut to Stallone, and now Shu's talking. And it's like, all of the, like, details like that, all, all the stuff about the nuclear codes and the fact that the satellite can hack into anything, you never see anybody talk about it on screen. It's always voiceover. Oh, yeah. They added yeah. that after the fact. I guarantee you, the original plot was... You know what? She was cousin Wushang. He invented a cool new satellite, and someone wants to make wants money it. off of it. Yeah. And I'll bet that was it. And they went like, "This isn't big enough. We got to make it so that, that someone can hack into nuclear codes. Put in some stock footage of nuclear missiles, and we'll have voiceover explaining that it can hack nuclear." Honestly, I, I guarantee all that stuff was added after the fact. After the movie was done filming, they went, "We need, mm-hmm. we need Skynet." Yeah, this, these, these satellites can hack Skynet. Um, and that's not, it's all kinds of stuff. There's, there's so much ADR, the, the stuff about moving as one with go, that was a, all voiceover. Right. Like, that wasn't, you never see Stallone it's say on the board. It. Yeah. No, it's, it's on the board. The shot of the, of the, the go game. You're right. So it's a ton of it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on some more, but so Shu and his cousin ultimately go to a, uh, bachelor party in Bangkok and nothing good comes of it as they are kidnapped and thrown in. Hades. Yes. High Asset Detention Service. Is that what it is? Yes. Or HADS. Because <laughs> detention gets the E also. <laughs> so then basically the most, the rest of this movie is martial arts fighting inside this prison. Wait, you know, that's, and that's what to me takes away is the, the amusement of the first one or the entertainment was it, it legitimately felt like it could be a legit prison. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to find a way to escape. This is, it's like, what is this, Thunderdome? What is this? This movie is paying so little attention to the details. Where are the toilets in this prison? <laughs> Where, where's the shower? Where do they do the laundry? Oh, the robots do everything. <laughs> I guess the laundry I'll the buy. The laundry the Gal- Galileo's got covered. You see food come in. They eat, yeah. they eat in their cells. So that explains why there's no, like. You're right. The toilets, where, where are they? No toilets in the cells. Honestly, I, I, I missed it. Every time, and every time you see the zoo, which is like the central octagon yeah. the, in the middle. Batista's basement. That's what I'm going <laughs> to yeah. call it. I mean, yeah, let's just call it that. Um, the, the prisoners are just like milling around. It doesn't even pay attention to behaviors, like in, in terms of like, what would prisoners do in the situation? Yeah. They would form groups and they would like, you know, like this is our corner and this A is your society, corner. society, right? That's right. And they, and they would probably, you know territory territoriality there'd be a bunch of stuff or they'd be like we need to team up against the the warden or whatever every time you see that central room it's just people shuffling around looking at their feet it's like what are they doing are they doing this all day they're just it's just like you know just randomly shuffling that's true (laughs) you know every day is shuffling I mean, literally every day they're shuffling. What? There's the music for this episode, by you know, the way. If you just think about, okay, these people are stuck in this prison. All they just go from their cell to this central, to, you know, Batista's basement and back, and that's all they do. They eat, but they don't go to the bathroom. No, and they don't shower, and they don't shower. They don't, they eat in their cells. It's literally, it's just an octagon and eight corridors and cells. That's the whole prison, apparently. Which is, it, it cannot function as a prison. That's the worst prison ever. Every note of this movie feels false. Just nothing feels yeah. real. Uh, and then so those two are first in there. Luke, I'm, I'm going to try and 
go through this fast because really there's just not much to it. They they get locked up, and Luke eventually says, "Ah, you know, I'm going to go find him." He gets locked up in the prison after he hacks more ADR or he hacks some company. Although there was like three different leads, Rushco. And, yeah, Rushco. That made me laugh. Where it's like someone is hacking into our system. Stop it! Stop it right now! And it's just like <laughs> they obviously, you know, just like recorded someone in a closet <laughs> being like, oh no, help. Yeah. yeah, so he gets thrown in. Yeah, he gets caught. That's the only thing he does is he screws up. You cut to him in like a scene from Fast and the Furious and he's chasing a guy in a car and he's like, I'm, I'm <laughs> my favorite part is the way that scene starts where it, it literally the first line of that scene is Curtis Jackson on the phone going, what? <laughs> and he's like, I'm chasing the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they started the scene with him just going like, what? <laughs> It's like that's appropriate, but yeah. Then, then he gets Curtis caught. Jackson is the audience. What is going <laughs> right. on here? What are you doing? What's happening? Yeah. Who are you? And what are you doing here? And we never see the guy in the other car. He's chasing some guy, and then he gets caught and thrown in prison. Who was the guy he was chasing? What was happening there? We don't know. <laughs> How did he end up in this situation? Well, he had the right garage door opener that he was able to time it just perfectly to capture Luke. Yes. So Luke's in there, and then oh, it's three of Breslin's operatives because Kimbrel is re- uh, revealed he, to be in the prison as well. He was already in there when she and his cousin was there, and he's yeah. like, oh, allegedly he was already in there. But as we are soon to find out, no, he actually is the warden, and he's been running this all along. In the worst plot twist I think I've seen in a movie a long in time. a long, long yeah. time. It's played like a wrestling angle. It's played like... That's a good analogy. A guy just turning heel and being like, no, I don't like you. It's like it has all the complexity of a guy turning into a bad guy in a wrestling match. You know, yeah. what, what's his motivation? It doesn't matter. We wanted a twist. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I think some of the reason... And I mean, you you do have the the zookeeper, and t- my biggest disappointment is I'm I really like Titus Welliver. Not that he has much to do here, but his character is almost pointless because it isn't that far into the movie that you get the the bad plot twist. So he barely has any screen time. Yeah, he becomes redundant once the plot twist happens, right. and it's like the movie's like, oh, you thought Titus Welliver was the villain? Nope, no. he's not. He's just a henchman. It's like, okay, well, now he has no reason to be around. Yeah, and a lot, we said this on the Escape Point episode, a lot of what made that movie work was Jim Caviezel was just eating that script for breakfast. That's the thing is, Titus Welliver was already kind of a downgrade from Jim Caviezel yeah, as far as like a villain. Yeah. I, I'm not as familiar with Titus Welliver. I've seen him and stuff. I know that he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I, I like him, but... yeah. But I mean, it, was, I think it wasn't a, even close. Jim Caviezel was absolutely just chewing every scene yeah, up that he was in in that movie. I feel like that character in the first movie was kind of equally empty, and it's just like Jim Caviezel's been like, "All right, well, there's not much of a character here, so I'm just gonna go for it." And Titus Welver really isn't doing anything. He's not really making it a character. He's just kind of there, being like, "I'm the warden, and I'm gonna get you." You know? <laughs> he's the, no, he's the zookeeper. He's the zookeeper. You're right. But yeah, and then once it's revealed that. The uh, Kimbrel is actually the warden. It's even more of a downgrade. You've downgraded again. (laughs) Yes. 100% redundant. To its credit, though, they barely give him any scenes after that. He's got one or two, but not much. Titus Welliver? Yeah. The the zookeeper basically just becomes the henchman. Yeah, he's just there to fight people then. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense either, but whatever. Well, he's probably some military trained dude, and he's there to kill those bald guys and then kung fu fight shoe that's basically what he does yeah that's that's why he's there uh and so we skipped over the part where then uh, ray breslin gets thrown well i was just gonna say so then after that ray breslin of course winds up in the prison it's like the 10 little indians like (laughs) it's uh, you know 
what I don't know what the politically correct way to say that is, but you know what I mean. It's just like one by yeah. one, they're just getting thrown into this prison. Yeah, it's like why didn't we just get them all at once? What what was the point here? And so of course, Lucky Ray gets in prison, and this you know sets up the the showdown that Kimbrel wanted. Well, whatever. But actually, Ray wanted it because he reveals at the end that it was all on purpose. At the end, he's just like, I meant to do all of that. I meant to get caught. Because there was one weakness in this prison. You. <laughs> what? I, I guess because Ray says he was trying to find Hades, and the only way to find it was to have him, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kimbrel. Have Kimbrel trying to get revenge and he knew that he was going to come after Ray and Ray only could find it from the inside. Had, why, I didn't understand. Why did they have to find it from the inside? I don't, whatever. I don't know. But then there's a whole br- uh, prison break sequence, which the details of which are but, so bonkers. <laughs> I don't understand a I don't single understand thing that's it, happening. And it's not, it's not like interest. I mean, I, how many prison break sequences can you think of? I guess maybe when we did um, escape to victory, that prison escape maybe is, as uninter- this is a pretty uninteresting prison escape. It's not only uninteresting, there's a lot going on, and none of the things that are going on seem to connect to any other thing. It's funny, because uh, I was thinking about this when it comes to just the overall story, but it actually applies to the prison break, too. You know, they say when you're writing a story, you don't want it just to be like, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. It's like, that's not as interesting as, this happens, and then, therefore... This happens. It's like it should all be a chain of events. One causes the next. Cause, you know, it's a series of dominoes. Yeah. It's not 10 independent dominoes all falling independently of each other. That's not interesting. But that's what's happening in this movie. It's just like things are happening. They don't seem to relate to each other. Shu has a laser pointer to somehow get a signal to the outside that he, he uses he, electronics from the outside of the prison. Is, is, a question? is that what? It, okay. I, I needed somebody. And maybe you've explained it. There, that was at least a, I don't know, a minute or two minutes of the movie. I had no idea what was going on. Can I run down? I literally tried to document each step of the escape, and <laughs> I think I have every step, but none of it makes sense. So can I just like run through? Go for it. The, I'm, I'm all ears. This is the event. This is basically everything from when Stallone appears feels even more slapped together than everything else, which is really saying something. So here's what I wrote out. This is the prison break step by step. So, first of all, luckily, a guy r- arrives in the prison who can teleport iPods or something into the prison walls, despite the fact that nobody knows where the prison is. I don't know what that little device was. Oh, you mean the Ellis Redding of the prison? The guy who can get things? Yeah, he can get things. How? It, it, <laughs> we can talk about the specifics of that later if you want. I'm just, I'm just going through the steps. Okay, that's an open question we will deal with later. So then, Shu uses the electronics to create a laser pointer, which he bounces off a set of completely enclosed concrete walls, <laughs> somehow getting a signal outside of the prison by bouncing it off a million, a million walls. So you're saying that it, it sent a signal. I had no, I honestly, I, I had no idea what that's what we're told. going on. Because then they cut outside to Curtis Jackson. He's like, I got a signal I can hack into the something, something. <laughs> Let, this is, let's document it so maybe we can talk about whether this makes sense when I'm done. So he bounces, so which I said, which I guess allows Hush to hack into the prison computer. Meanwhile, the crew just push a hidden door open because now that Hush has hacked the system, it's unlocked the door, even though I guess you'd think it would have like a physical lock that wouldn't let them do that, but whatever. It leads them into the back quarters of the prison. They are gassed. They escape into the ventilation system where apparently gas cannot reach. <laughs> Can 
you're stealing all my thunder, but keep going. Well, I just want to document. Okay, we'll talk about all these specifics later. I just want to. This is for the record. This is like a court for the court. Okay. I'm. I'm. We're, we're exhibiting all these things into evidence. We will talk about them later, just to document everything. Okay. Then Wu Sheng hacks a computer and causes a quote solar system failure, which causes all the manhole covers in a nearby Atlanta street <laughs> to burst open, causing DeRosa to identify the location of the prison, I guess. Then that allows him to smash his Hummer through a wall, get out of a machine gun, murder a bunch of guards. He rescues Shu and Wu Shang. Meanwhile, two out of the three bald hackers hack two computers in, in the medical wing. I shouldn't have glanced up at you. <laughs> who are now Think uh, about how absurd this sounds I'm, I'm not even halfway done Who are now on the side of our heroes Even though they really didn't like our heroes a minute ago Because they accidentally revealed their secret identity Count zero Yes <laughs> But then they use these computers to hack To get Ray and Lucas into the command center Along with a gun that Ray has that appeared out of nowhere So that they can find Kimbrel and explain to him that he that Ray always meant for Kimbrel to catch him and that he wanted to be in Hades so that Ray and Kimbrel could then go back out into the zoo, which is the place that Ray just spent the last 10 minutes trying to break out of so that he could have a fist fight with Kimbrel to the death without the gun, even though he just had a gun a minute ago. Now it is gone. Then Kimbrel dies and Ray can now go back to the command center with Lucas and with the Rosa so that he can talk to the emperor and tell him he's coming for him in the end. <laughs> the only thing I'm going to say is that they do show... Ray picking up that handgun. Do so, they? Yeah, okay, they do I show it. that. Uh, I do like uh, that that Emperor. <laughs> Just blatant setup for the sequel that obviously yeah. you, the audience, are going to be on your edge Just, of your seat. Right. I can't wait until the next thing at the bit for the next one. <laughs> Some faceless suits. Like, that's supposed to be, like, really wet our whistle. Can't wait till they get anonymous suit, man. <laughs> Boy, I'm really, really excited to see what they do when they get their hands on Faceless Man. <laughs> Who is that guy? You never even learned his name. At least they could have made him into a character. They don't give you... I think I watched it on Amazon X-Ray, and they don't. It is... It's like... Man. Yes. Yeah, some, but... Yeah, uh, Man in charge, or something like that, is what, is what they give him. They don't give him a name. Yeah, and they're like obscuring his face because they obviously don't know who they're going to cast for the third movie yet. So it's just like, oh, maybe obscure it, make him kind of look like Stephen Merchant, but like an evil Stephen Merchant. Yes, <laughs> it's kind of what he looks like. Uh, so that that is the prison break. Doesn't make a lot of sense there. I think that is a perfect segue though into our next set because that that really is the plot, right? They break it out, they break out and set up for the next movie. Yeah, it was hard to do that in broad strokes because it's so crazy. It but is yeah, we'll, we'll, crazy. we'll dig more into that later. But let's move on to technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right, so this is the segment where we try and uh, discuss how technology would have either changed the plot or maybe outcomes in movies. This one is certainly tough. One, because there's a bunch of nonsensical technology talk in this movie, but yep. more so the, the kind of the futuristic movies and or you know really current movies. It's almost impossible to do this, so I unfortunately did not have anything for this segment. Yeah, I don't either. For the second episode in a row, we may have to skip yeah. it, in which case I, I shouldn't have played the, no, that's <laughs> the fine. jingle. No, I, I for... Continuity's sake, I actually think it's good to, to continue to do the sections, even even when we don't necessarily maybe, have anything. Maybe this is what we should do. Let's talk about, is there a way to make the technology of this movie make sense? Oh, man. Take this movie, which is absurd and makes zero sense. Like, okay. Because I, I think, okay, here's what I will say. I think there's a germ of an interesting idea 
in this whole algorithm thing. The way the movie handles it is ridiculous. It just uses algorithm as like essentially an analog for magic. It's just like, I have an algorithm. It can do anything. Poof. You know, <laughs> explosion, <laughs> whatever. It um, it's so not explained at all. But in a world where like Google and Amazon and, you know, Facebook are tracking everyone's activities and they can essentially, in theory, you know, they've got algorithms that are trying to predict the things that people like, want to buy, people wanna buy before yeah. they, they even know it. In theory, it's like... Amazon is tracking things to the point where they're trying to predict what your future purchases and, will be. Right, or make suggestions. You know, it's the chicken or the egg, right? Did you actually, did they predict it or did they suggest it based on sure. prior actions? And then you're like, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. I, who knows? Well, there you go. Because I think, I think you, I could see a version of Escape Plan 2 where you're taking that idea and applying it to a prison of just like, this prison has algorithms that try to predict the behavior of its prisoners, and it yeah. knows when they're going to attempt an escape before they do, and it, it's seeing the signs, and it's identifying them and you know, raising the flag and saying, oh, this guy is behaving out of the ordinary. He normally goes... It's, it's the opposite. It's the reverse of what... Ray Breslin's always talking about it, but like, oh, the routine. You got to know the guard's routine. It's like, yeah. So we, I can see a reverse where it's like, okay, this guy worked for Breslin. He's saying, okay, I'm going to look at the prisoner's routine. And I'm going to use an algorithm to track that, and to it's going to flag it if you change your routine. Right. Try and break either that or try and break the routine within whatever your operations are. Yeah. To, to to try and predict where are the flaws in the routine and then intentionally change those up. Yeah, maybe like counterintelligence. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like using Ray's. Because the first movie is uh, Jim Caviezel saying, I designed this prison based on your teachings and I'm going to use your designs against you. Right. And then this one could have been, okay, I'm going to use your thought process against you, your whole, like, you know, Move routine, help. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about, like, oh, the, the three things you need you need help, you need routine, you need to know the routine, and what else? The layout. Lay, yeah, layout, routine, and outside help. And that's something we didn't mention that this movie does. It, it is a prison that tries to counteract that by having it shift around rotate. like a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, does it just rotate? That's this what I a, took it as. Okay, I thought so too. And I was thinking about that. Like, how does that make a difference? Well, apparently because, the hallways are different lengths in the rotation. Maybe outside of the octagon. Because the, the number of steps from the... Uh, kitchen to the cook's cell is different. That's how the shoe figures out yeah. that it's rotating. Because there's a guy in the prison who works in the kitchen, and they blindfold him, right? And that yeah, I can't figure out why, why, can, why can the machines do everything else, but they can't cook? <laughs> is it because they don't have any tape? I'm already getting to some of my questions. Is it because they don't have any tape? It's like Bender from Futurama. You can't, you can't possibly be the cook. You don't even have any taste. <laughs> it's because this Our plot, of taste. this plot needed to have some way for them to secretly communicate with each other, and they use this cook scraps of sneaking, paper. Well, I think they're supposed to be like fortune cookie like notices. Oh like yeah, that. I guess. Although that is where like the, the little electronics is, and then also sometimes they're cookies. He bribes prisoners with cookies. <laughs> get those cookies <laughs> i mean from the kitchen i assume i just think it's funny that the, the idea that okay we've got to get these prisoners on our side how do we do it cookies <laughs> it's like a kindergartner's idea of prison well it wasn't just cookies i think it was all different types of food that those prisoners might like sure but one guy just got cookies it was like yeah <laughs> it was four cookies it was, it was four great cookies and that's 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 how they convinced the guy to throw the fight <laughs> i mean honestly it's it's the whole thing plays like a kindergarten erotic because it's just like okay, there's a prison and they have to fight each other and if they win the fight, they get the finger paint and then <laughs> we didn't talk about that either. <laughs> but right. but then 
they get two hours of finger painting time, but then if they lose the fight, they get electrocuted because the bad guys are bad. But then sometimes the guys throw the fight like they're supposed to win the fight. Um, um, and then if you give them cookies, they won't win the fight, and you can go and finger paint. <laughs> You've just figured it out. Right? It was it was really <laughs> ghost written by a third grader. <laughs> you ever see there's a comedy video and I don't know who did it. it it's a a quote unquote interview with the writer of one of the Fast and Furious of like Fast and Furious Five. I think it was when that movie came out, Fast Five. No, it's like we have we have an interview with the writer and it's like an eight year old kid and he's like the car drive over the bridge and it's dragged the safe and then the car blow up and it's like, you really you really collaborated with your you know, they're asking him like very serious questions. <laughs> That's it's really good. I forget who did that. It might have been like college humor or oh, something. Man. Like that. But that's that's how this movie feels. I, we never talked about Sanctuary, which is so. Is there any bizarre. point? I guess not. I mean, it, they, the prisoners are forced to fight, and if they win the fight, they get to go into the sanctuary, where it's like the reward is they can read a book or paint a painting. Yes, <laughs> like, aren't these, these you are prisoners? Think, you would think actually the real reward is they could go to the bathrooms, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, here, here's why it's worth bringing it up. I don't really have a note about this, but like, as soon as they lowered, it's a it's a room hanging on a cable that they lower down. It's like, congratulations, you won the fight. You can get in this room and paint. But I swear, I thought it was going to be, oh, they're going to use that cable to like climb up and out. Oh, you, you know, I didn't think about that. You <laughs> think so? I, I mean, immediately I was trying to predict, like, okay, what's the, the way they're going to get out? And that was what I was predicting. I was like, they're going to somehow turn this sanctuary against them yeah. and they're going to like drill out a hole uh, and climb out of the top of the room and climb up the cable and get into the guts of the prison blah 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 no that would that would be too creative yeah, well at least use in this prison where there's literally nothing other than a single room and eight hallways and a hanging room that's inside the bigger room you'd think like, you'd I, use that for something right, right? I, I look at, i look at that and i go like well if this movie's smart it's going to use one of those things it has established almost nothing and then it just says, oh, they got stuff from the outside of the prison. <laughs> you know, it just totally cheats. With magic. Anyway. But, uh, I, I appreciate the attempt. That's a, that's a good attempt at explaining how the technology actually could be feasible or useful, I guess. I, think, I feel like there's a germ of an interesting idea yeah. here. But, boy, this team that made this movie was not up to the task. But time, uh, let's move on. Time for the little details. All right. That cardboard headstone tipped oh. over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. Ignore that. Cut out. I forgot that I do a new one for everyone. So here's here's the little details for this episode. That cardboard. That cardboard. That cardboard. That cardboard. That cardboard. Because there are so many cardboard headstones that tip over in this movie. I feel like that is only appropriate. Uh, so this is the uh, segment where we try and find little things within the uh, the movie that either drove us crazy or that really entertained us. Yeah, well, I guess we'll start with the one moment that entertained that entertained me. Okay, since you, <laughs> I'm surprised you even threw that out for this movie because well, there were very few. There, there aren't very many. Because there's a fight in this movie, like basically every ten minutes, it's like clockwork. It's, you feel like the directors are just like we have to get a fight i didn't in. notice that that there was a pacing element for for the fights i believe you but i i didn't notice i mean i didn't time it but it just seemed like it seemed like okay it's time for a fight and there's the one where shu and his uh, his cousin wushang go in together and there's two guys and then like a magic bracelet comes up and like oh. attaches them to each other <sighs> i got that somewhere in here i wanted an explanation how that works but go ahead but i well it's it works by they ran the film backwards I'm, that's that's how it works thank you <laughs> or the they ran the video clip backwards they, yeah. they didn't shoot this movie on film <laughs> no way um but no the the uh, that made me laugh it's like okay time for another fight in this bare octagon octagonal room it's, you know it was like a third fight at that point 
and then she was just like boom boom he just kicks one and oh and yeah it's over in like 10 it, seconds it's over in a second it's like it's not even 10 seconds it's just like two one punch and one kick i think is they're all just it. done that actually made me laugh in the way he just kind of like deadpan turns in, and goes into the uh, into the sanctuary just like i won that fight i'm going yep it's time for me to go finger paint as you said yes uh all right so i'm gonna lead off with one i don't know if you noticed it and i normally don't comment on wardrobe uh, especially if it doesn't have anything to do with the plot of the movie but I don't know if you noticed, and we didn't talk much about um, the replacement for Amy Ryan uh, for the character of Abigail, who's a carryover character. You're going to talk about the Zeus in the movie. She, all, all of them actually could be the Zeus in the movie, too, because they really don't impact the outcome that much. But at least that's consistent, because we said that in the first movie, that her and 50 Cent were the Zeus of that movie. So yes. at least she's she, that character, again, has nothing to do. Well, I, I just... I don't know if you noticed that I think it's one of in her first scenes. She has a scarf that honestly is like the size of a throw rug. It is the biggest thing I have ever seen. I'm like, this is in Atlanta. What do you need that huge scarf for? Now that you mentioned it, yeah, I do remember. It's massive. I think subconsciously I registered it, but I didn't really like uh, note note it or anything. But yeah, I do remember. (laughs) She's got that character's got like an assistant in this movie too. That's the weird thing. No, so those two, and at least this one, Hush. You know, he he is impacting the movie in this one. Yeah, the first movie he wasn't. More so, yeah, the first movie he's doing a lot of work. Like we're trying to find where where Ray Breslin is, but in in the end he doesn't actually do anything. Like, Ray and Arnold escape on their own. On their own, and yeah, Hush doesn't do anything. We should, we never, really, we didn't talk about DeRosa either, played by uh, De Batista. Yeah, he actually, the, you want to talk about the, the amusement or the, the little bit of entertainment I got from this? I, he didn't have much to do. Maybe it's a carryover from Drax, but I kind of like Dave Batista in this movie. Mm, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think I only, I think I'm disappointed in that performance just because I think it's very clear. That that was written to be Arnold's character, and Arnold's like, I'm not coming back. And they just went like, his name's DeRosa now. Cast somebody else. Find some other big guy. Guaranteed. That was that was yeah. I from think Arnold's character from the first movie for sure. I think you're right. So that's that's all I was thinking of. Just like, ah, oh, this is supposed to be Arnold, and that and would it's be not. You know, yeah, but it's not Batista's they, fault, but no, it's not. But I think he's he's a lot more low key. Batista's a lot more low key in this role than that's Arnold true. would have been. Yeah, that is true. And that's I just wanted because you know I think they wrote it in a way to to highlight Arnold being Arnold, which I think the first movie did also. You know, in the first movie they gave Arnold that awesome sequence where he gets the machine gun out by the helicopter, you know, and he at least gets a scene where he's just mowing dudes down. Yeah. It's like okay, hey Arnold Schwarzenegger fans, here's your Arnold scene, and there's a scene like that here where. where uh, Batista's a, marching through the prison and he's just gunning dudes down. And it's not the same as Arnold. No, there's no real thrill to it in the way that I think it would have been. It's just like, hey, if it was Arnold, I'd be like, all right, at least there's something. There's something I can I can latch on to. All I right, can- well, with Batista, one of the things I know is I really liked it that he just he needed a day. He said, Give me a day, and he was gonna find this black site prison that nobody could find, including Lucky Ray, that Ray needed to get put in the prison to be able to ultimately find it. Right. But he said, give me a day. I'll find it. <laughs> well, no, I think my understanding, I mean, again, this is all my understanding because nothing is clear, so you may be right that he, he was saying, I'll find the prisoner today, but I thought he meant I'll find this dark account, this dark bank account, or whatever it is. Oh, is it the Sparrow I, account? Yeah, the Sparrow. I thought that's what he. I, I thought that's what he meant. He's like, I'll, give me a day. I'll find the Sparrow. I'll find out who that is. All right, that's what he does. Be. It, he that, finds out that it's, it's Kimbrel. He's the Sparrow. Yes. So, so I, I thought that's what he meant. It took him more than a day, though. He did not find that in a day. By the way, maybe I don't know. I don't know who he used. He goes to get, see a guy named Bug, and she's like, "Bug, I know that." Oh you. No, no, all right. So you want to get to that? Sure. I, I just have a note. 
we've got Legion, Insect Society, <laughs> Sparrow Account. I just said this thing is a, that's a this thing is a mess. Yeah. What? It's, it's the zoo. It's the zoo. What, but bug Insect Society and this Insect Society has got. I guess hacking ability, but it also has a cache of physical, you know, guns and weapons. What is going on? No, it's not clear what the deal is. I think that sequence wants to be John Wick. I think that's what's going on. I think they're thinking, oh, it's like John Wick. It's a front. It looks like a regular, it's an insect society, but really it's a secret assassin society that has hackers or whatever, whatever. That's what they're going for. I'm pretty sure. I think that's what the idea is. Now that you've laid that out to me, I think you're right. But you want to talk about the difference in execution? Oh, it's not clear what's going on at all. It, it's like, because the movie never really makes it clear that it's any kind of front. It's just like, this bug society can... <laughs> it's, it, that's, the one, that's where you want to go to find secret... The continental. Secret bank accounts. <laughs> yeah, you, you know who's got their ear on the... Literally their ear to the ground is the bug society. It's such a joke. I think you're right. It, it never makes try- it clear that it's any it's kind of It's trying to be the continental, but that's... Uh, Talk about not flushing an idea out in a movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. I think it's one of those things where the writer is just like, oh, people will get this. I don't need to spell it out because people will get it. And they just didn't, I'm they not going to claim to be you know, the smartest guy in the room, but I've watched a lot of movies. I had no idea what was going on. No, and that's like, I said, I'm not even sure that's what they're going for. I think it is, but it's like I could be wrong because it's not, it's not so definite that it's for sure that. I just I think that's... No, quite, no doubt about it, they failed to do that. This I'm movie gonna, fails to put across the idea that this is some kind of secret society front, <laughs> whatever. I'll tell you right now, John Wick could just go through and wipe out the entire insect society, and I'd be okay with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Continental versus the Bug Society. <laughs> I know who I'm turning to. <laughs> you know? I mean, regardless of the names, I mean, one's obviously cooler than the other. You're, but going, just seeing, you're, going, you're going to Winston, not Bug, is what you're saying. Yes, definitely. Of course. One is a whole, like, network of, <laughs> of support systems for assassins, and the other guy's a lone man in a room who may or may not contain a chicken. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. It's a solitary man. Yes, yeah, so solitary. That's the word. I couldn't remember right. the word. I mean, John, the Continental, you've got Somaliers. I mean, you've got... Yeah, all- that's, it's, it's a whole network of support staff. And this is just one dude being like, oh, yeah, I, A, I know who the dude is. I know who this barrow is. Me, personally. And B, here's a bunch of guns. Go have fun. Have fun storming the castle. <sighs> well, while we're talking about the Sparrow and that dark bank account... I figured I would enlist your banking expertise. All right, I'll try. Is this even remotely a thing? A dark bank account? Like, this, what is that? What does that mean? We we found this dark bank account. We don't know who it belongs to. It's codenamed the Sparrow. This account is codenamed Sparrow. No, I mean, to, to my knowledge, no. Are there? What account- is a dark? What do they mean? A dark bank account. <laughs> What does it mean? I, I don't know what it means. Okay, uh, I didn't think it was a real thing, but I, I figured if you're aware no, of some kind of... in terms of... I, there's certainly... You could certainly... in the Cryptocurrencies exist. Their initial existence was for paying for things on the dark internet and sure. the dark web. Yes. Because it was an anonymous form of payment. Absolutely. Yeah. But account? No. That you right. get a, No. Are there, are there accounts that are in locales that are very difficult... To reveal ownership? Yeah. I mean, there are offshore accounts. That customer's secret illegal account. Yes, except, but it's not a dark account. I guess that's the thing that really rubs me the wrong way with this movie is 
like I was saying, just a lack of care. They're chucking the egg. You know, it's like they could have written the scene to be like, we've, we've tracked this to a bank account in this country, and it, because of the laws, it's difficult to know. You know. They could have just given any sort of specificity. No, they just you know, threw a buzzword. It was like, uh, we, we tracked it to an account in the Cayman Islands. You know, but just, yeah, a dark bank account. No, it's like, nothing. You know, some of the reason why is that I had this one and I skipped over it, but the, the masks that are used for the kidnapping sequence, like when they go in the uh, outside, which I thought actually also amused me, sex shop in Bangkok. I just, I couldn't help but laugh that they're at a bachelor party and they get kidnapped outside just sex shop. Sure. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's like, it's not an English speaking country. No, I know. So. It's it's shorthand of, yeah. oh yeah, they're, they're out, um... <laughs> they don't have the luxury of being able to be descriptive. It's just like, hey, this is a sex shop. Yeah, whatever. But <laughs> the masks that are used by those the the kidnappers uh, are, I don't know if they're the exact same thing, but I know you don't watch Mr. Robot, but the, the dark army in Mr. Robot, which is actually uh, the Chinese kind of hacking in that storyline, the masks are almost identical. So this talk of this like dark, dark account, I'm like, what, is it just because they're Stealing from you know Mr. Robot with the Dark Army. Do you think they literally took the Mr. Robot masks and like slightly altered them? Is it to that degree? I don't see that. I, is that show filmed in Atlanta? No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Um, I I don't think so. They, it just really reminded me of that, and I I wondered if they were just being lazy and trying to connect it to to kind of that world and the hacking world of Mr. Robot. Okay. Uh, all right. So I, I got another one. Th- this one really bothered me. So Luke, who is the Zeus of this movie. Is prisoner He's Zeus adjacent prisoner one nine two four? Okay, mm-hmm. so Luke has come in after Shu. Shu is prisoner one seven six four. How and uh, his cousin is one seven six five. So it establishes it is sequential. How busy is this prison? And I really got pissed off because do you know what prisoner number Lucky Ray is? No, what prisoner number nine zero five one? Okay. I mean, there's obviously not 9,000 cells in this place. So. No! I mean, this is not Devil's Advocate, but I will play Devil's Advocate. I will no, tell wait, you... wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not even the number of cells. 1924 from 1764. That's saying in that short period of time from Shu being taken to Luke, 200 prisoners have been placed through here. No, I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily... I know this is not the segment, but I'm going to play Devil's Advocate. I don't, Please do. I don't, I don't think prison numbers are sequential. I, I get what you're saying, that Shu and Wuxiang came yes. in, and though they're so it establishes that it seems like they're sequential because th- their is. numbers are, are sequential. Okay. I mean, I, I, in reality, I don't think prison numbers are sequential. Oh, I, I, think, th- I think it absolutely is. Th- Each one that comes through gets the next number. I absolutely think, think so? that's how it works. But please explain to me, how is Lucky Ray 9051? Maybe it's like a Q rating or some kind of like popularity <laughs> thing. Or no, how, how, or how dangerous maybe of escape it is. Sure. Because, oh no, because that would have Luke, and Luke doesn't really do much. Why would he be more dangerous? No, look, I, I have an answer for you, Mike. I have a real answer. All right. Why his number is so high? Okay. Algorithm. Checkmate, you got me. <laughs> That's the answer to everything. All right. The algorithm, it did it. It's just anything, anytime, anytime something like that happens, the algorithm did it. All right, so what else have you got in the little details? I only got a couple more. All right, so I want to be relatively delicate about this um, because I don't mean any offense to Stallone in particular or just speaking as a bald man. Obviously, okay. I'm not someone who picks on people who have hair loss, but this is the first movie. This and Creed 2, which came out recently as of the time of this recording. Yep. He has the exact same hair in both of those movies, and then all the photos from Rambo. I don't know what's going on with his hair, Lily. 
But really? it's just a thing that I noticed where... I didn't, well, I haven't seen Creed 2 yet, but I did not notice it in this movie. In Creed 2, they comment on it where Creed's like... Uh, uh, Adonis is just like, what's going on with your hair? And Rocky's just like, I combed it. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler for Creed 2. But right, uh, you ruined that part for me. <laughs> but like, it's to the point where they kind of have to comment on it. Like, it. It's never in my life have I looked at Stallone and gone like, I think he's wearing a rug. But oh, in the I, last couple of movies, this and like Creed Two, he, he must have done something. You know, I'm not judge. I'm not. You know, he's entitled to do whatever he wants. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done that or whatever. Like, or just like you know, as an actor, his characters need to be able. You know, a hairstylist needs to come in. Be, needs to be able to come in and say, okay, for your this movie, it's going to be like this. His hair is exactly the same in, in every movie. Creed Two, in this, and in all the photos that are coming out of Rambo Five. Interesting, especially for Rambo, who's always had long hair. It's like. It's just very, like, quaffed, you know what I mean? In a way that some... I mean, Stallone's supposed to be ta- playing these tough guys. Doesn't seem natural. It just feels, feels a little too quaffed. I don't know what he did or whatever, but it's just a thing that I notice, and I I don't know. It just doesn't... It certainly doesn't fit Rambo, so I don't know how they're going to deal with it in Rambo. But we'll see. Maybe we'll maybe see. I'm imagining it. Maybe he just... Maybe, for whatever reason, he likes his hair this way, and this is the way he that's the way wants he's to comb it. it. I, you know, hairdresser isn't allowed to touch his hair. It's just like, this is the way the character looks. All right. Anyway, I... <laughs> That's something I noticed. So for me, I said that uh, this, I learned, if you want to beat a maze, just stick to the right. That was that was solution to beating this maze. That's, to- that's a real thing. Is it really? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I didn't know if that. If you're ever in a hedge maze, just put your hand on the wall and pick one of the walls and just follow it. Eventually, you'll find your way out. 100% oh. true. All right. Well, I learned something today. <laughs> I did not know that. Well, you know, that's, he has to give some kind of wisdom because in the first movie, he was solving virtual Rubik's Cubes to prove how smart he is. And in this movie, he's losing in, in go matches and he's calling himself <laughs> stupid. I shouldn't have hired that guy. You know, he's like, he's lost a step for sure. So they had to show something. I'm just like, I know how to get out of a maze. All right. That's <laughs> Here's right. the one thing that shows I'm still a smart guy. All right. Uh, I have one more. So I'll, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Of all of the, this is the thing that just, it's the thing that bothered me the most, and it's just stupid little detail, but Ray, the way he counts down when they have to hit a button at the same time to open a door, okay. and he goes, on one, three, two, one. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Who counts down like that? There's three valid ways to count. One, two, three, on three. Yes. One, two, three, go. Three, two, one, go. Those are the three valid ways to do it. Three, two, one. On one? <laughs> I think you're right, actually. I am proud of who does that. Lucky Ray. I guess so. And they both do it as if like, Well that, that's the you'd standard. I think Wu Shang would be like, wait, what? On on one. He just goes, on one. Three is it what? What? On one? What? I don't understand what's happening. He goes he he rolls with it. He knows exactly what Ray means. Well, because he studied at Breslin Security, so Well no, this is the cousin. It's not even Shu. Oh yeah, no, then that really doesn't make sense. You're right. <laughs> he just met Ray like a day ago. No, Ray yeah. Ray just came into the prison. No, you're right. That is <laughs> that would not they, be standard. They gotta move as one. It's just, you know, it's algorithms. All right, so my last one is uh that in this prison, the ventilation shafts are giant hallways that you can stand up and run in. I had that in my questions, yes. Oh, sorry. They have, no, that's fine. They have 15 foot ceilings and lighting. There are lights in the ventilation shaft. You said it earlier. The gas does not go through the ventilation. No, of course. Ventilation is not for moving (laughs) gaseous things through it. You go in the ventilation shaft to get away from uh, air and Vent gases. radioactive gas. Yeah, so apparently ventilation, you can stand up, you can run in, 
and gas will not follow you in there. <laughs> that would have been, I mean, it actually did happen where they're running and then Lucas falls through the floor and it's yeah. almost like, oh, right, this is a vent. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's almost that like you have to remind the audience because it right. looks just like another giant hallway. Right. No, it, it, it's bizarre. All right. They, they shouldn't have even called it a vent. No. They should be like, it's another hallway or it's like a, you because know. Because that's what it is. An access corridor. They could have yeah. called it anything. Yeah. All right. All right. On, ready the uh, for the uh, devil's advocate? Let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. So this is the segment where we ask each other questions that we found while watching the movie and do our best to try and answer them as logically as we can. Yeah, I mean, obviously, naturally, a lot of these got pushed up to when we were talking about the plot, so I covered a lot of mine, but uh, you want to go ahead? Okay, yeah, so the first one I have is actually in that opening sequence— uh, so my question is, so did the prisoner in Paris not get released only because that camcorder really couldn't record the message? <laughs> so you remember that the, the Chechnyans wanted somebody released in, in Paris. Right. So I, don't, I just don't remember the specifics anymore. Just explain so they, it. They, <laughs> I don't even remember what happened. They were recording their demands, and then they're waiting by the phone. Well, they, they haven't called. They haven't called. Right. Well, my question is, is that since it... It wasn't actually recording anything. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it's just a bomb. <laughs> it's just a bomb. <laughs> Why didn't our tape have the effect that we thought it would? <laughs> it's a bomb. <laughs> right. You're okay. right. And I just, I really, I call this one because all I could think of was True Lies. Even though it wasn't a bomb, yeah. but in True Lies where the guy's recording in the batteries, <laughs> that's all I could think of is that battery dying. Why did Ray's team even let it get to that point where it's like <laughs> they found out that our camera's fake? Well, they didn't actually find out, but they should have. You're right. Yeah, you would think they have this bomb in this camera. Why wait until they record a whole message, then they take them back to the cells, and then they bring them back out again to execute them, and then they blow up the bomb. Yes. Didn't even think about it. Yeah, why did they wait? Uh, all right, thank you. So uh, what, what, what's your first uh, question? I'll do my best here. This is a pretty broad question, and it's just generally about Shu, the character. Okay. Is he a sociopath? They show up in this prison. Yeah. Right? He has failed to protect his cousin. They've both ended up in this prison because he's failed at his duties. He wakes up, and it's just like, prisoner, blah, blah, blah. You, you 1964. Okay, thank you. 1964. Uh, so no, 1764 and 1765. Okay. <laughs> uh, whatever. Report that, to the zoo. It, yeah, it's your turn to fight. And she doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's going on. He sees a guy coming at him. He's about to fight. And she's just like, yeah, I'm going to fight this guy. He never goes like, whoa, wait. Well, I don't know what's happening. Hey, where am I? Who are you? I don't want to fight you. He, and then yeah. Shang comes over and she was just like, get out of my way. I won this fight. I'm going into the, <laughs> into the, you know, the, the sanctuary. sanctuary. At, at no point is he like, I'm sorry I got you into this. Or where are we? Or just, are you okay? <laughs> Shu doesn't I, seem to care about anybody. He has absolutely no compassion for his cousin who's being tortured essentially every day, it seems like. And Shu's just like, tough it up. Don't tell him anything. Tough use it up. Use your mental toughness. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I'm not he, sure if I can answer it. He's so unlikable. I found Shu to be incredibly unlikable. Yeah, for especially for you know the hero of the movie, he is not a very likable hero. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't blame the actor. I don't think he, the character was written that way. I mean, I think he's supposed to be like this stoic, heroic guy. He's going to tough it out or whatever. I think that's what they intended. But he just comes off as somebody who has zero compassion for anybody. It's just like, everybody out of my way. I'll solve this problem. I'll win every fight. I'm not going to, you know, it's like later in the movie, it's, it's shown that, hey, if you throw the fight... 
A, you don't get tortured, and B, the, the other person still gets to go into the sanctuary. Which Remember I, when they throw the fight for the yeah, cookies? I don't know how that actually would work. Right, well, why would the warden... I mean, I guess I didn't write it down, but that's another question. Why does the warden let... If if the prisoners don't fight, he still they still let the winner go into the sanctuary. Yeah, it would seem like it'd be very easy to game that system, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm just gonna right. say we are legion, and the prisoners would just avo- yeah. agree. Like here, you win this one. You can, you can go. <laughs> it's your turn to go to yeah, sanctuary. exactly. <laughs> but Shu makes no attempt to do that. He makes no attempt to like try to avoid these fights. Every time the warden forces him to fight, he's way into the idea. He is on board for maybe, every one of these. Maybe fights. he's a masochist. Maybe he likes. Maybe he likes punishment. Well, he's a sadist because he's oh, winning sadist, fight. Right. He's winning the fights. So he, right. if he's he was losing the fights, then maybe he'd be a masochist. No, you're right. Maybe he's a sadist. That's my answer. He's, I think he's a psychopath. He's. I, I just really. He didn't seem to have any compassion for his fellow man at all, even though he was right. theoretically trying to rescue them. I just thought this character was just incredibly. I, I outside of being a sadist, I can't give you a good answer because you're right. He's not. I mean, he's not a well written character. Yeah. All right. He could have invited his cousin into the sanctuary. They didn't know what the rules are. Say, oh, you want to come in? I won the fight. Come on in. He's like, no, get out. You go back to your cell. We just arrived here. I won. But I won the fight. This I'm is- Kyle Reese and I'm driving. Yeah, this is my room. <laughs> it's my face on the sanctuary. And don't you forget it. All right. So speaking of Shu's cousin, here's, here's probably the biggest question I had from this. All right. So it says that he has this, this super awesome satellite tech. Mm-hmm. And he didn't develop it for money. He patented it. So we could bury it. Can you explain this to me? I think that's one of those ADR'd, like, they figured it out after the fact okay. sort of things. Then they should have thought this through. So there's a patent. How does this stop some government, sovereign government, stealing it and using it? A patent, the only thing you can do is you can enforce and get monetary damages. Yeah. It's absurd. That's literally my next question is, aren't patents public record? <laughs> that's my next question. Because, yeah, the idea of a patent is to prevent other people from... Taking a thing you built, deconstructing it, and making their own, yes. right? It's just to protect your intellectual your property. You, or what, you protect your intellectual property, and your, the, the recourse is you get monetary damages. Right. The patent is out there. There's, uh, it's, it's the public government record. would just use it. You don't use a patent to keep things secret. You, keep, no. you use a patent it's to like, protect. It's like the doomsday machine in Dr. Strangelove. You don't build the doomsday machine and then keep it secret. You know, it's like, why didn't you share it with the world? It's the same thing. It's like, why would you patent something and then keep the patent secret? The goal of the patent is to make it public so everyone knows you cannot build these. Only I may build them. I mean, so some of them, I, like, I, I'm not 100% sure if it's all public record. Like, the, the formula for Coca-Cola, I don't, well, I don't oh, know maybe, if that's patented, though. Maybe not. So, but what the point would be is, even, let's say that it, it wasn't public record. It doesn't stop the foreign. The foreign government could still steal it. The right. patent does all it does is give you the ability to sue somebody for using your technology. Right. That whole explanation. <laughs> I'm like, this is absurd. all right. I, no, it's, it's but it's the point is whether or not it's public record. The the point of a patent is to document what you have built, yeah. not to keep secret what you have built. <laughs> it's like literally 180 degrees from the purpose of a patent. All right. So yeah. I, that that of all of the things in here, the questions that was the most infuriating to me. Yeah, I agree. It, like everything else, like algorithms, uh, like prison toilets, this is just a thing that the writer doesn't understand. It's just like, how do patents work? Didn't, he didn't bother to research it. Nope. Uh, all right. Let's see what else I have left that we haven't already talked about. I've got a, I've got a few. Actually. Dark accounts. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So Dr. Lampstand, the robot doctor. <laughs> oh, that is one of my questions. Go ahead. You ask yours, then I'll ask a follow-up. All right. So what I, wanna, I wanted to know, what kind of procedures is that thing capable of? I noticed it had a smoky gas mask and a stitching laser. I said, what if an inmate 
needs like a cast or open heart surgery. What do they do? Because they've established they don't want these prisoners to die because they're worth money. Right. So doctor they want them to beat the hell out of each other, but not die. <laughs> Think about that. They can get concussed <laughs> right. as much as possible. They just can't die. So what can Doctor Lampstand do? I, it seems like it can stitch people up and it can knock them out. Does that thing have hands? I don't remember. I don't remember seeing. It's just like a torso on a stick, right? Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. it had the laser, you know, that did the stitching was kind of like a hand, but I don't think it was. I don't think it could perform surgery. Uh, okay, I'll play devil's advocate. All they right. have multiple robots, one for each task. So that so is the see. that's the laser, cut, uh, uh, you know, cauterizing a wound robot. They could have just had a little arm that came up, but no, they wanted to build a cool robot. It's like, well, while we're at it, let's have a robot be okay. there, and it'll be like intimidating and scary. All right, I'll uh, buy that. Okay, well, uh, do you have any more on Doctor Lampstand? Because. No. Um, well, I kind of I don't remember seeing any robot prison guards. It made even less sense to me if you could build a robot doctor. Why would you not build a robot prison guard? That seems pretty dangerous. I mean, uh, there is a robot when Shu first op- uh, wakes up. There's just a robot, just like I think it's like hovering. It looked like, or maybe oh, it's see, standing there. I don't know. Yeah, but, but I thought that was the doctor. Was it the doctor? Yeah, because I thought that he probably was just waking up from anesthesia or something. No, I'm saying in the zoo when he first arrives, and it's like time to fight. You're gonna fight this guy. Oh, there's a there's a robot there yeah, in in right. the zoo. All right, it looked like it was kind of hovering, but I, maybe I couldn't. It was dark. Right. And maybe maybe there were, and I just missed it. All right, all right. Well, here's my follow up question about Doctor Lampstand. Okay, what's a lampstand? Isn't that just a table? Have you ever heard of a dedicated stand for a lamp? Well, don't you have like. Uh, no. That's a floor lamp. If you want, yeah. if you want a lamp, and you want, if you're gonna just put it on a stand, just buy a floor lamp. I feel like a lamp stand is a table. I've I, never heard the term lamp stand before this movie. I think I think you're right. <laughs> is that a thing? I, I mean, this is a genuine question. Maybe that's a, like. But here's the thing: is uh, that Doctor Lampstand did stick out in my memory because I took a note on it, so it did work. I wasn't sure what he said. I, I had subtitles on the second time through. I was like, oh, he's a lamp stand. I wasn't sure what that uh, actor had said the first time. All right. So I've got one. We've got it where you, uh, re- uh, prisoner, one, Galileo says, prisoner 1764, report to the zoo, right? So you go into the zoo, mm-hmm. you fight, mm-hmm. either win or lose, lose, you get less food, and it motivates you to, you know, to work harder, or you win and you go to sanctuary. Yeah. So why is it when all the prisoners beat up on Lucky Ray, why does nobody get any sanctuary time when Lucky Ray is in there? Do we know for sure they didn't? Oh, they just, I feel like it's a montage, right? No, no, no. It's one they all they being and beat and bang on them, and then they do your every every day's a shuffle, and they just shuffle away after they beat them up. <laughs> do they? I don't remember, yeah. but if if so, that's a very good point. All right, then I didn't think there was an answer. I think it's just because it's Stallone. <laughs> I mean, my devil's advocate is they just can't all fit in there, you know, or it would just break off <laughs> the, 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 the weight. Because the room lifts up, right? Yes. After you get in, it lifts up. Yes. For reasons unknown. You're like, right. Because he let everybody beat on him, nobody got sanctuary time because there'd be too many. Yeah. But that raises a, a follow-up question, which is why would these prisoners beat him up in the first place? Why are these prisoners – sometimes it seems like these prisoners are at the beck and call of the, the zookeeper slash uh, Kimbrel. Why are they turning Why do they on, care about Lucky Ray? Yeah, why are they all beating the hell out of and, – and also – when Shu accidentally reveals the identity of uh, Count Zero, and it's like, oh, the prisoners yeah. are mad at Apparently you. Apparently everybody loved Legion for some reason. Right. And yet later in the movie, they're helping them again. Legion is back on their side, hacking computers. <laughs> and there's only two of them. There must have been like a huge swath of this movie cut out, because I, I only noticed my second time through, but when they go to the, the medical wing and, the, and Legion is hacking things, yeah. there's only two Legion guys there. The third one has disappeared. 
And I think Count Zero is missing, right? Yeah, I, I, it was hard for me to tell which one was which. I know they did reveal this guy's Count Zero. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. They're all, they all look pretty. I mean, obviously, they look similar. That's the point. Is they're because they are Legion. Uh, all right. The fact that they talk at the same time, like there's some kind of alien species. Like, what is, is it just like these guys have practiced this? Like, hey, we're going to practice. Oh, we got to make sure we're talking at the same time. Well, it's Blue Man Group. Yeah, but Blue Man Group doesn't talk, right? No, but yeah. they, they still communicate as one. Sure, they move as one, like like go. I guess I just yeah. It seemed like oh, I don't know. It, it was trying to imply that they had like a psychic connection or something. Like why do they talk really? together? Oh, I didn't see. I didn't get that. Either that or they just practice it. Like I, hey, I'll signal three, two, one, or I'll, I'll say three, <laughs> two, one, and then we'll say we are legion. <laughs> not go right. Not, not on one. Three, two, one. <laughs> we are legion. <laughs> But they must somehow coordinate so they can say it at the same time, right? Because that's the thing. I think thing. you're right. I think you're right. All right, I got one more on the Devil's Advocate. How many more have you got? Uh, I'll do one more. All right, so tell me this. I know it's in Atlanta, but where is Hades? Because I see DeRosa, Dave Batista breached a door or a wall with a Humvee. Right. And then Chu is coming out, and he's in, like, a church? Where is Hades? I guess underneath that church is what we're led to believe. But where was the giant warehouse that Batista drove the Humvee through? Oh, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good point. There's sewer cap blowing around. I didn't see a church anywhere. It was like an industrial park. Literally, we see two unsecured ingresses and, and egresses <laughs> from this prison. Yes. The Rosa smashed through a wall. But yeah, he, they didn't come out through that wall. So they could have oh. gotten out even if DeRosa hadn't smashed through the wall. You're 100% right. And this is just a vent in the middle of a church, like right in the middle of like the processional like aisle, a like sewer grate in the middle of yes, literally like, in the center, you know. And I don't know what denomination church that is, but odds are the priest has very flowing robes. He's going to get caught in that that uh, vent there. And you would think, although I guess the gas doesn't actually make it through the vents, you would think, wouldn't you hear something? There's a prison beneath you. Yeah, it's literally connected to the prison. You think it would echo up like the shouts of the prison, all the all the sounds of the fighting. You would hear prisoner one seven six. Six four report to the zoo. Right, maybe that church is just a front, like the Bug Society. This is another. Uh, uh, don't give me that look. This is the segment I'm playing devil's advocate. You're looking disgusted at me, like I'm doing something wrong. This is what we're because, supposed to do in this. You know segment. why? Because you pointing out that the Insect Society is supposed to be like John Wick. I hate this movie even more because <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, They're like wow, that's really cool. We're gonna make our own. No, you shouldn't have. It's not very well thought out. But they aspired to be something great. They had that egg, and they tried to get the egg across the finish line. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't and they do it. Threw it left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine, like, if this church is a front, then they're like, in case someone walks in, I'll bet they, I'm going to conjecture that they have hymns that are designed to cover up the echoes of the, <laughs> so she's like, prisoner one for two, report to the zoo. zoo. <laughs> I'm glad I said two, it rhymed. Accidental All right. rhyme. All right, so what's your last devil's advocate? I'll see if I can end on a high note. All right. Uh, this is probably not the best thing to end on. It's not that. It's not. Well, if you got more, fire them all away. I'm no, 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 this is the last one I'm going to do. But uh, um, I'm saying I should have saved a better one for last. But uh, so near the end of the movie, like for most of the of the time that our quote unquote heroes are in this prison, they don't see any other human beings other than when they're brought in for like, interrogation. Otherwise, you're meant to believe that it's all automated. But then Ray's like, "No, it's not automated. There must be prisoner guard, prison guards somewhere." Yeah, human guards. Yeah. And then and near the end of the movie, you see them. 
They yeah. actually come in because things are getting bad. And it's like, okay, send the real people in. Yes. So on a typical day, what do those dudes do all day? Ooh. There's no cameras anywhere, right? I mean, I guess there must be, but you don't really see You don't cameras. see the cameras anywhere. You don't see any, uh, even monitoring, you don't, but that's the thing, is no, how can they be watched all the time? Galileo is monitoring is the thing. So these are purely guards that are just there, like in case of emergency, break open glass, send the guards in. All right, no, I've got it. I know what they're doing. Okay. They're maintaining the church. That is a front, so one's <laughs> okay. a janitor. Born. They're up there with the incense, and then it's like, they hear it in their ears, like, oh, there's trouble downstairs. It's like, get, get on the, get on the <laughs> masks, get on the armor. <laughs> Hurry, hurry. That's what it, and they go down that little grate. <laughs> there's a pole. There's like a bat pole it's, in the, con, no, in the it's confessional. Like a, it's like a firehouse. Yes, in the confessional, because no one would ever go in there, because you know, no, one, no one, you know, speaking as someone who was raised Catholic, I can say from experience, no one goes to confessional anymore. So yeah, they hired, I hide a, a secret bat pole <laughs> in the confessional. They slide down the pole, and it's like Batman. On the way down the pole, it changes their clothes. It puts on their <laughs> armor and all that. They're ready to go. That That's my explanation. They're they're manning the church. I think that's a really good explanation. <laughs> I like the, the, I like the accoutrement we've been adding on to, because this movie does not make any sense on its own, so we have to fill in these gaps with something. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this makes total sense. We have built out our own John Wick world here. I think so. All right. All right, so that ended up... Uh, <laughs> that was worth it to, to say in the, end, in the end. All right, time for the Silk Cozart Corner. It is. Both of y'all! Yes! So I'll, I'll let you explain this segment. Yep, Silk Cozart Memorial Internet Research Rabbit Hole named in honor of Silk Cozart's character from Eraser, who perished, sadly. So this is in memoriam to him. Um, this is when, this is the segment where, uh, I go on a tangent, kind of do some research on the internet, something that sparked my interest that based on something that was in the movie. Yep. So in this case, since this was a uh, Chinese production, but largely starring American actors, you know, obviously Stallone and Batista and, you know, Shu is really the only actor who I think is famous in China. I mean, well, obviously Stallone's famous in China, but I'm saying like yeah, right. a native Chinese actor. So I was curious because this is a trend. Of late, of you know, obviously, the Chinese film market has is been it, booming. And yeah, then, it's a huge market. And just China in general, I'm just like you know, obviously, as the film industry in China grows and grows and grows and is starting to gain parity with Hollywood, it's starting to draw in you know Hollywood actors to star in Chinese productions. I was thinking about this like this 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 movie is almost like the Chinese version of what the Italian film industry would do in the '60s, where they would. Like spaghetti westerns were designed to trick Italian audiences that it was an American movie. They'd bring in one American star, and the rest they would just dub in English, and they would release it, and it would be like, even even among Italians, it was just like, okay, they'd rather see the American movie, so let's make it look like an American movie. Gotcha. And maybe they'll think it is. Yeah, that's basically what's happening here. Like this is a Chinese production. It's filmed in America, and it's mostly you know American actors, but it's a Chinese production. Yep. So yeah, I just wanted to go through the recent trend of like, okay. What are all movies of of late that were Chinese productions, but they where they brought in an American actor, and how did they do, and how does Escape Plan Two compare? All right, we'll start with that first, and then that led me down a different rabbit hole, which we'll get to in a second. So, okay. first movie, Flowers of War, starring Christian Bale. Uh, this is 2011. I don't remember it. Uh, I've got summaries of. I mean, you're not going to recognize most of these movies because okay. largely these were only released 
in China. So I've got summaries of all these movies, but let's just save time. I'll skip that. So it had a budget $94 million. This is a big budget movie. Wow. Yeah. It was directed by Zhang Yimou, who is a big time director. He's someone I've actually seen a couple of his movies. Okay. He's like the the Spielberg of China. He's, gotcha. He makes giant big budget movies. <laughs> Senior Spielberg. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I'm not even going to try and touch what the Chinese equivalent of that would be. <laughs> I'm not going to get myself in trouble. Understood. Um, but have you ever seen uh, Hero starring Jet Li? I think that's probably Zheng, Zheng Yimou's most famous movie. No, I'm not. It's a Chinese language movie. I'm, I actually I'm familiar with the name, like the Jet Li movie here, but I did not see it. Okay, but you've heard of it. So, yeah. I mean, that, that'll tell you just the fact that yeah, that was one of the biggest. You know, so Zheng Yimou is a big deal. Uh, so budget ninety four million dollars. Uh, it made ninety five. This is all U.S. dollars, so it's just converted to U.S. dollars. So. It made $95 million on the Ch- at the Chinese box office. It only made $2.3 million the rest of the world. Wow. 344000 in the U.S. You know, all these are going to have very limited releases in the U.S. Yeah, okay. And then 42% on the Rotten Tomato score. I think that didn't have a lot of reviews. Outcast, starring Nicolas Cage and Ooh. Hayden Christensen. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, 2014, directed by Nick Powell. I get the sense that this is one of the, this is sort of like Escape Plan 2. It was mostly filmed in the U.S. or, you know, in North America with... American actors largely, but it was a Chinese production, yeah. and it was for release mostly in China. That's a bad lineup. Well, Nicolas Cage, I, I, he's very hit and miss. I'm not going to badmouth Nicolas Cage, but Hayden Christensen, yes, he's not a good actor. Uh, budget, $25 million, made $3.9 million in China, Ooh. $1.2 million in the rest of the world, 25000 in the United States, oh. Rotten Tomato score of 5%. Wow. Seems like a real bad movie. So... That's the thing. Is like you look at Escape Plan Two, and it's like could be worse. Escape Plan Apparently Two. So I, that sounds awful. I'm sure a lot of these movies, most of these are going to are like Chinese historical epics, you know, about Chinese history. And it's like I'm sure a lot of audiences outside of China are not going to have a lot of context yeah, for that stuff. Gotcha. Okay, Dragon Blade, starring John Cusack and Adrian Brody, also Jackie Chan. So interesting lineup. I remember hearing about that, this movie and thinking it looked okay. okay. Directed by Daniel Lee, but I think this was filmed in China. Budget of sixty-five million U.S. dollars. Box office in China of one hundred seventeen million. Four point three million in the rest of the world. Seventy-four thousand in the U.S. Thirty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's a pretty big success. Yeah, it's a success. Next, Great Wall, starring Matt Damon. That one I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I, I remember that one. I haven't seen it, but I do remember that's that. That's another Zhang Yimou, and that, that one got a pretty big release in the U.S. Uh, budget of $150 million U.S., made $171 million in China, $118 million in the rest of the world, but only 46 in the U.S., and I saw some articles saying that was a big disappointment and that Universal kind of took a bath on it. Like huh. The Chinese company made money, but Universal was taking the risk in the U.S. and kind of mm, lost yeah. some money. Uh, 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. And then Animal World, which came out this year, 2018, starring Michael Douglas. Directed by Yan Han, and this I was hearing about this because I guess people were saying that Chinese critics were really raving about Michael Douglas's performance, and they think he'll be up for some like awards there, and okay. you know, like stuff like that. I, heard, I saw it described as the Chinese Hunger Games, so I don't know what that means. Okay, uh, budget unknown. We'll talk. We'll look back to that in a second. Uh, Seventy-five million U.S. dollars in China, three hundred fifty thousand in the rest of the world. Nothing in the U.S. was not released theatrically in the U.S. Netflix grabbed it. I think it's already available on Netflix. Okay. Assuming the budget was low, and I think it was, that was a relative success. And Escape Plan 2, which obviously we already talked plenty about, but budget of 20, what did you have, 45? I had 45 I, the, on what I had phone was 20, so I guess okay. maybe, well. Again, talking about budgets and not being clear on budgets, we'll look back to that, but 
Uh, made $13.2 million in China, $2.7 million in the rest of the world, didn't get a theatrical release in the U.S. So I wanted to look at that stuff and be like, okay, do these movies do well in China? Like bringing in a, a Western actor, you know, Hollywood actor, is it something that is good or bad? And it doesn't seem to be any kind of like pattern. It's just like, yeah, sometimes it's... It's probably it's, script, right? It's probably actually story is what seems to be driving it more so than... Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know... I was just curious how well they do, and it didn't seem like there's really any kind of pattern to it at all. But then, the thing that I actually want to talk about, and here's the thing, I'm still digging into this. Uh-oh. I was I was reading about this like a half hour before you got here. The last movie that's a prominent Chinese production that stars Hollywood actors, Airstrike, starring Bruce Willis and Adrian Brody, also called Unbreakable Spirit, also called The Bombing, which is not a thing you want to call your movie, I, I would say. $65 million budget, allegedly, has not come out in China, will never come out in China, was supposed to come out, have a pretty big theatrical release in the U.S. It was canceled. It was just thrown up on streaming a couple of weeks ago as of, as of this recording. And I went, what's the story there? Essentially, this movie was one big money laundering scheme. <laughs> and because a lot of the film studios there are government-owned, because yeah. it's you know a communist country, they were using films essentially to siphon money out of the government and funnel them to private companies that were co-financing these movies. You know, essentially it was revealed, and this may be true of some or all of the movies that I just listed, listed. including Escape Plan Two, which is maybe why these budgets are not because a lot of these were a lot of the the finances for some of these movies are falsified. I mean, this is the movie where it was it was uncovered, yeah. and they're thinking that this is basically a, the scheme where. All right, we'll get a co-financing, we'll set a budget that's outrageously high, and then essentially it'll get misappropriated through the private company, etc. And it's just a way to misappropriate Chinese government funds. And, and also, like actors are getting paid under the table because there are rules in China that says, again, because it's a communist country, there's a rule that says actors are only allowed to get a certain percentage of the budget. It's like 30% or 40%. It's like you're not allowed to go over that. You know, the crew needs to get 60, 70% yeah. or whatever. And so to get around that, especially when they needed to pay high-priced American actors, you know, or you know, Western Hollywood actors, they basically would have like two sets of contracts, one for the government and then the real one. Oh, and man. so all this came unraveling like one movie. a couple of months ago. And I was reading about it. I'm like, this is crazy. And there was a guy who had to flee China. And he's like, I found an article from, let's see, where is this article from? I found this article from like 2016 from the LA Times about the, the producer of that uh, Bruce Willis movie that's never going to get put come out because it's a huge scandal and and the poor director I was reading stories about like he was just some guy who wanted to make a movie <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know all this stuff happened here's the most here's the weirdest part of the story I'm not going to go into all the details because like I said I, I don't know all of them at this moment weirdest part of the story Mel Gibson is credited as the art director <laughs> what not the director not in the, he's not in the movie acting in the movie. He's on the payroll as an art director. So this whole thing is so suspicious. It's just like, okay, here's this crazy money laundering scheme. And then Mel Gibson is just like, I am attaching myself to this thing <laughs> for reasons that are not clear. It's like, did he actually do anything? Like, but I guess that was the thing of just like, they would just get everyone, their mother on the payroll and just, you know, to it was be, just yeah, a, to be able to run the, you know, the, the money through. Yeah, exactly. And just wow. justify anything. Just get it, get it on the budget. I, and, I hadn't seen anything like that. I'll have to go and check out some of these articles. I, I did not 
I wasn't aware of it either. It's you'd think it would be a bigger story, even though it's you know obviously specific to the Chinese film industry, and it really is an indictment of all of entertainment uh, news and just like entertainment websites where you know this stuff is happening in the entertainment business. I mean, the fact that it's in China doesn't matter. This is a huge story. This should be a huge story to any movie website, and instead it's just like. What is Luke Skywalker going to do in episode nine? There's rumors he's a ghost. Who knows what's going to happen? Avengers. That's all. It's just like, what's going to happen for the next tentpole thing? It's like, there's a real story here. And, you know, some article, uh, some outlets are obviously covering it. Like, I saw some variety articles about it and stuff. But it's not front. It's not top of mind. And it's not the sites that people read. It's like... You know, Hollywood Reporter and Variety, it's like only people who work in the industry are reading that stuff, really. I mean, I'll, I'll check in on it a little bit just because it's like news. You know, I'm curious about movie news. Yeah, same here. It's, it seems bonkers. I've, I'm barely scraping the surface. Like, an actress disappeared and, like, people aren't sure if she fled or if she was, right. you know, renditioned by the Chinese government, essentially, because she was, you know, people are stealing money from the Chinese government and I'm sure the Chinese are not happy about it. doesn't go over too well. No, I wouldn't want to risk that in a government like that where, you know, it's like... I wouldn't want to risk that with any government, yeah, to be no, honest with you. No, for sure. Anyway, like, look the story up. No, I'm going to. Yeah, because, I mean, not just you. I mean, to people listening, like, it's yeah. crazy. It's interesting. A bonkers story. All right, well, that's, uh, that's an interesting Silk Cozart. <laughs> I guess I would have I had more specifics if I knew more specifics. It's just like, yeah, look it up yourself, I guess, is my, <laughs> my Silk Cozart. It's like, hey, I found this crazy story, but I didn't have enough time to read it, so look it up yourself. Right. Do your own Silk Cozart. Yes. All right, it's time for the body count. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. All right, this is the segment where we compare Arnold Schwarzenegger's average body count per film to Sylvester Stallone. That is correct. Arnold Schwarzenegger had an average body count of 14.76. I've said this number so many times, I basically memorized it. So it's going to be a bummer when Terminator 5 comes out. And, and you got to like, change oh, it. that number changed. Uh, okay, so Sylvester Stallone had a body count of 7 in Escape Plan 2. Uh, let's see, do I have the same amount? I had six in yes. the gunfight. Six in the gunfight, and then uh, Jasper. He breaks Kimbrel. Uh, yeah, he k- breaks Kimbrel's Kimbrel, neck. Yes. So okay, so we're at a, we're at two hundred twenty-five total body counts for Sylvester Stallone across nineteen movies. That's an average body count of eleven point eight four per movie. So I did a little math just to check it, to see what Stallone is going to have to do for the rest of the season to catch up with Arnold's fourteen point seven six. He's going to need an average over the next nine movies. Of exactly 21 body count per movie in order to catch up by the end of season uh, six. That's the bad news. The good news is Rambo 2 is coming up. So we'll see if that'll do it. That will probably help a lot. He needs, a t- he needs 189 over the course of the next nine movies to catch up. All right. So uh, we'll see if we can do it. Did you have a total of 22 for the movie as well? That's what I have. Uh, I had... I have it in a totally different place in my notes, but yeah, I, will, right. I will check. That's all right. Don't 22. Worry. I have 22. All right. We, we match up. That's always good. There wasn't a lot of ambiguity in the body count in this one, at no. the very least. It's like when dudes so, were dead, you knew they were dead. And you know? certainly not Guardians of the Galaxy, where it was impossible. Yeah. I mean, I still haven't gone and uh, counted them. The one, I will say the one thing that threw me, and it's the only reason why I noticed that Legion, there was only two guys there at the end, because there's two bodies. They kill the two Legion dudes. Yep. And it's like, wait, did they kill all three? Where's the third guy? And he wasn't there. And I was like, oh, I guess uh, he disappeared. Yeah, off screen. All right. Time I, to... I didn't assume that he died. I'm just, yeah. He he just he disappeared somewhere. He was renditioned to the Chinese government. <laughs> all right. Uh, time for the Wrecking Crew Award. Wrecking Crew Award. 
This movie is destroyed. <laughs> this episode. <laughs> this is a real rough one. Outstanding achievement here. Explosion. Makes me laugh every time. Uh, yeah, the, this episode is wrecked. Uh, to be honest, I didn't think anybody deserved it, but I gave it to Ray Breslin just because somebody had to get the award. <laughs> okay. I also had a tough time to the point where I don't remember who I wrote down, and I'm, I'm trying to find my notes. So that'll tell you it, didn't, well, it, it wasn't be, anybody that stood out. It so. had to be DeRosa or Breslin. Who else would it be? Oh, I, I did give it to DeRosa. Okay. Because at the very least in the sequence, he shows an, she, he shows up with a machine gun and shoots yeah. a bunch of guys. I, I, was right. tempted, I was tempted to do that, but I ultimately decided to give it to Stallone. Yeah, I mean, uh, he breaks a dude's neck. He shoots some guys. I'll, I didn't count. I'll bet DeRosa has more bodies, but it's probably pretty close. Uh, I, do you have that breakdown? Yeah, so I got when Stallone gets six, Batista gets one in that sequence. And then actually it's. I think he kills five guards, five guards at the end. So he's one behind. He's one behind. Okay, one behind. good. Yeah. Okay, so based on that alone, yeah, I, could, I think Ray. Maybe I'll switch it to Ray because I gave it to DeRosa. <laughs> I'm not sure how official these rankings really are. Well, who, I mean, this movie, who cares? It's, yeah, it's like, true. The wind is so out of our sails in this episode. It's, it's, let's just get to the end. It's so, true. I'm going to change. You've convinced me to give it to Ray because All right. he's got a higher number, and I was overestimating. It's just because DeRosa had a machine gun at the end. Yeah, you thought, you, in your I mind, was you imagine- thought the number was higher. No, you yeah. know, no, here's what was happening. Because I was imagining Arnold in that scene, because I knew that that was written to be Arnold's character. <laughs> And I, in my brain, I was seeing Arnold doing it and being like, yeah, at least there's a machine gun. But it's, it's not. It's, it's, Dave, it's Batista. And, and it's five guys. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, all right. I'm going to give it to Ray Brosnan. All go. right. Time for the Rocky rating. Right, let's do it. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, no, no. You don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. So, as you said, we are getting the end here. The uh, Rocky rating is where we rate the movie uh, based on our own personal criteria uh, using the opponents in Rocky films. Yes, all the way, scale. Yes, the scale from the absolute worst being a Spider Rico, with one exception, uh, and then heading up to an Apollo Creed. I feel like I need to stop letting you explain this segment because you always do that. Like, oh, the worst is Spider Rico and the best is Apollo Creed. I, I, I will give my usual spiel, which Fine. is I believe that this scale is not so rigid. It's, it's a arbitrary loose scale. <laughs> okay. But uh, in this case, it's not. <laughs> I was just going to say, you better say right now that this is not. This is a Spider Rico. It's a Spider Rico. Just, it, this movie doesn't need to exist. Yeah. Escape Plan did well in China, and so a Chinese company wanted to make a sequel. You know, it's not, in the end, this movie is not for us. You know, it's for Chinese audiences. And that's, yeah. it's one of those reasons why I like, can't be that mad at it. I, I'm not going to go full Ratchet and Clank, because it's just like, you know what? I mean, literally, this was made for a Chinese audience, and it's like, okay, we'll put it out in the rest of the world if people want to see it. Yeah, and see how it does. So I, I don't know if it was received better or worse than we're receiving it here, but it's like, I'm not going to, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is. I'll agree. I'll just go full circle. It's just a disappointment for me because I really enjoyed the first one, so I would have liked the sequel to have more redeeming qualities. That's all. Yeah. So. Well, it's like why... I, I, I don't know if the reason why this movie is the way it is is because they were trying to cater it to that specific audience. I don't know if that's the root of it or whatever, but, you know, at least try to make a movie that has a broad appeal. And yeah. I don't, this movie I got certainly didn't appeal to either of us. Well, now uh, we've got some, some business to attend to because we're, uh, we're going to be moving on past Escape Plan 2, which is good for both of us, and it's your pick. So where are we headed? <laughs> yeah, we need to leave this episode behind us. <laughs> I don't know if it's coming across on the, on the audio, 
it's time to move on. This episode is going on too long, and we're both tired. And we, yeah, you know, we're, we're it's done. time to move on. All right, so it's my pick for the next episode. As you know, there's a character in this movie called the Zookeeper. Yes. And there is a location in this movie called the Zoo. Yes. So obviously, you know what I have to pick. No, what are you picking? The, the word Zookeeper is not ringing a bell? No. There's literally a movie on our list called The Zookeeper. Oh, because I don't know anything about it. All right, so we're doing The Zookeeper. No, we're not doing The Zookeeper. Oh. That totally backfired on me because I, I wanted to scare you into thinking we were doing The Zookeeper and then pull a switcheroo. I was going to pull oh, The Zookeeper. That's the one with Kevin James. Kevin James. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that totally backfired on me. It didn't work at, at I didn't all the way. I about that. That would have been really bad. <laughs> I wanted you to be like, oh, no, we're going to do The Zookeeper. And it's like, no, we're not. I'm just oh. messing with you. But then you didn't even remember. The, I didn't take the, the bait. Zookeeper. All right, what are we doing? What are we doing here? <laughs> all right. So by accident, we've kind of created a theme. The first section of the season, we did Tango and Cash, which had a prison break element to it. Guardians of the Galaxy Two, there's a sort of a prison break. It's more of a captives, yeah. It's like a stockade break, more or less. And then Escape Plan Two, which is about a prison break, obviously. All right. Although we never touched on the fact that Ray Breslin never escapes the prison. (laughs) It's a movie called Escape Plan, and he never escapes. We never mentioned it, but whatever. Um, so by accident, we've created this uh, this theme season for the or theme for the season. Yeah, and also uh, Death Race, uh, which had a prison break element to it. So we may as well keep it up. The thing that was accidental, I'm making it on purpose. All right. So the next movie we're going to do is from serious Stallone. My understanding is this is a very serious. Well, I don't know, very, but it's a relatively serious prison drama. Lockup, 1989's Lockup. Okay, I don't know anything about it, so I look forward to watching it. I also know nothing about it. I know one other actor who's in it. Who's that? Do you want me to tell you? Donald Sutherland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. All I know is that it's a prison movie from when, I was, when, when the list was beginning put together. Seemed like a drama, so it was put in the series alone. Got put there, but who knows if that's accurate or not? But, All right, well, we'll find out. So I'm I'm looking forward to doing at least something different. Hopefully, it, it's got to be better than this. I have a feeling that uh, that lockup is going to benefit from coming after Escape Plan Two. Right. <laughs> Just like, Some, oh my god, it seems so real compared to Escape Plan Two. If you follow Kenny Banya or you follow Jerry Seinfeld, it's all depending on where your time slot is. Right, that's exactly right. All right, well, so hopefully if you've enjoyed this show, or at least enjoyed us, if not uh, the show and the movie, please... uh, I'm not sure I enjoyed this episode. (laughs) Like us on your podcast app of choice, or uh, send us a message, even if you're displeased with the episode, at Arms Right Podcast on Twitter. Cut us a break. This movie was bizarre and weird and tough to talk about. Touche. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then uh, if you like the show, uh, word of mouth really helps us, so yeah, tell people if you think the show is good. All right. But not this particular episode. (laughs) We've really gone off the rails the last, like, half hour of this. I don't know. Again, I don't know if it comes across or not, but uh, we're done. Let's end it. <laughs> Put us out of our misery. Oh, you want me to do it? Do we'll it. be back with Lockup. Every day I'm shuffling. <laughs>